West West Show. Angel bandana. What's the story about about Larry? Oh, this guy is. Yeah, tell the story. Tell no, the story about Larry. It's, it's it's a Felitti story. Oh. It's, a, it's a story that he always brings up. Man, hey, you know what this guy is. Start us off. Start us off. Your area. This guy here. Like you know, when I was in high school, man, this is the guy I used to look up to, man. Had the color spencer legs, the calves, king of the Tried everything 100%. Eh? When I mean he gives everything 100%, even when he supports. Eh? So we used to go up to this karaoke bar, and this guy used to um always buy the, just always like, you know, it's just me and you who's gonna fill the table up with drinks. This one afternoon, the karaoke was on, and this Kamalo walked in. He had a like black t shirt, black leather vest, black jacket. Like the, you know, on Terminator, Arnold goes into the bar, looks at that dude. He literally had that, man, and he had a black bandana on. Fucking, he's just walking around the, like, you know, trying to make a connection with whoever was there. Mm. And because he saw this dude, eh, he did the, the eyebrows and the, oh, chip, chip. And then he walked over, like, fuck. <laughs> he offered him a drink. Then he was like, oh, you guys going to sing? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe later, maybe later. And then, you know, you write wait, down your wait, karaoke wait, wait, songs. Wait. You write your karaoke very songs. Very gangster eh? looking, though. Yeah, he wasn't. He was very like, gangster looking, like, maybe from an old mongrel mob looking yeah, type yeah, person. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, that's okay, sweet. Just just keep yeah. it real. Yeah. So this guy came over. I didn't even know who he was, cause, but I just, oh, shit, he made the connection with this dude. Okay, oh, do you know Because <laughs> in my head, I was like, fuck, is he, did he come on a Harley or something? <laughs> yeah, mate. Like, so he came over, mm. offered him a drink, offered him a drink. So I started writing down his karaoke songs, man. And I was like, bro, this guy's keen, eh? It wasn't even 10 minutes into the um the night. And then the um, host, all right, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Then we, that's when we found out his name. Yeah. <laughs> it's Larry. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Larry. Man, this commander took his leather, his leather jacket off. And even, like, even when he walked up there, I could hear the Terminator music like that. <laughs> <laughs> he goes up. He's standing there. So where Elliot is right now, that's where Larry was. Mm. We were probably where the fridge was. Like, you know, mm. full table full of drinks. <laughs> and then the music starts. <laughs> you know, of all songs, this guy was going to sing. Like, you think he's going to sing an Ingle song, mm. EB40 song, like an Eddie Lovett song. <laughs> Fucking then he hear the ding, 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 ding. Fuck, he sings the Spice Girl songs already. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then we were like, Oh, the slow one. And the way he's laughing, that's exactly how he was laughing, man. But like, Michael fucking laugh. I was so impressed, but I was also scared, you know, because this guy was just cracking up me. <laughs> Even the host heads are like, like, trying to stop laughing. Because all we could hear is this guy laughing, man, ever the music. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was embarrassed <laughs> and scared at the same time. <laughs> Which karaoke bar was it? Fusty Rooster. Oh, yeah. just up there in Clinton. Yeah, that was our local. Yeah. It's our local, man. But shout out to Larry, man. Fuck. Uh, that's, that's the never take face value, eh? <laughs> Fuck. But this guy will always say, you know, there's a karaoke night somewhere and we'll go to, we'll go to karaoke. And um, yeah, this guy will always sing and put a song up. Unfortunately, he didn't make a lot Because there was some really go. good, there some, go. some really good singers, eh? And I think it was coming up to the finals oh, when everybody mm. was coming together. Mm. Yeah, and then I was like, "No, nah, go support the brother again." Yeah, I mean, you gotta have a you know a chance next time. So anyway, we went to this. Um, I think it was the really last one. And then um, yeah, I said, "No, nah, you must have it." There was hardly anybody there. Yeah, but um, there was only one person there that was there. <laughs> Sad, man. This person was in a, in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against the wheelchair. But I said, man, you're definitely in. You're definitely going to make finals here. But yeah, you made finals. But we just simply go because if you participate, they'll take top four. And if you make the top four, you get a, like a bar, bar tab, right? Yeah. So we get a bar tab. Mm. So we just go, yeah. But we were doing it for years, eh? That's all. Oh, did you guys frequent that, Kariki? Oh, we only went to like two... Oh, there was one, one in Legend? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, one in Legend and then the one up at um the Rooster. Yeah. But yeah, my stage name was Fred. It's my stage <laughs> name, mate. Hey. What, um, what was your um, go-to song? What was your go-to song? Oh, Shake You Down, man. All the old school, um, yeah, those sort of slow jams. Shake You Down and... um. Oh, yeah, but we used to, to simply go in for the fact of like hearing songs on like The Breeze. Mm. And like you always wanted to know the voice of the song. That was pretty much the reason why I used to go in karaoke. Like meatloaf songs. Yeah. Stuff like that, yeah. Man, I, I remember... Because I, I, I did the karaoke thing late, eh? Because my karaoke bar was Opal. Did you ever get it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, um, Kara? Kara, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that was late when there was... Uh, I think it was after Bars of Stars, because I knew Bars of Stars, but I never went there. Yeah. I know my sister went there all the time. I know a lot of people went there. I never went there. Did you guys go there? I, I went once eh, with my cousin who took me clubbing like when I was underage. Mm. But yeah, that was pretty cool, man. He got up and sung. Sung um, too close, but they was they sounded guy. There was about five of them on the stage, but everyone was just dancing because the, the music. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, that's pretty cool, man. I think that's probably why my taste of karaoke was sort of, you know, was there because of my cousin. Mm. They shout out to him, one man. <laughs> the good thing about... um. Opal, Opal, Opal was it was small, and if you went there, if you if you got if you got drunk enough, you just didn't care. Because I'm that I'm that kind of karaoke yeah. guy that needs to, I need to be drunk eh, to jump up. On oh, stage. that would be the only time when I jump, but I had to be with <laughs> someone else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it never sounds the same <laughs> when you're singing in the car. Yeah, but are you looking at the reaction at the crowd first, or are you looking at the screen? Do <laughs> we <laughs> start doing the <laughs> just lip syncing? <laughs> But then I, f- I knew the trick to to always sing a fast song because everyone will be get into the song itself because it's fast. If you yeah. sing a slow song, everyone's gonna stop and watch yeah. and try to relax to your to your voice. <laughs> man, you're bringing up some some crack up memories, man. Remember that time that lady tried to sing um Rolling oh, on a River? Yeah. Again, this guy because you know he happens to be standing at the bar like 
wishy singing the bars right there. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you hear the Tina Turner vision, eh? How it's just like, and it's just full on. But you know, they changed the wrong vision. But they try attempting to sing the song. It's like, everyone else is singing at the bar, but the person who's actually got the mic can't keep up. Because they played a faster vision. I'll never forget it. Because she couldn't keep up with the song. And so, and so every time she was behind, I would just laugh. Like, These are those I'm Filipinos, for... eh? <laughs> Filipinos that come and do a choreographer, like choreography to the song, eh? Because mm. she was standing there, confident as it, clicking. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, <laughs> with the music kicked in. kicking in. Oh, I was shit. like, man. Yeah. But so, I, so I try and stay away where I can. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I just start cracking out. My sister and I are the same. We mm. just, we're like, we laugh loud. You know, we don't really, not that we don't care, but it's just our <laughs> normal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good times. Yeah. No, they were. They were. They were good times, yeah. So, Elliot, how was your week been? Oh, pretty, pretty stressful. Oh, this week it hasn't been too bad, but yeah. We're just uh, in a financial year at the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then um, the last previous two to three weeks has been, like, hectic, yeah. It's a bit of a, a – had a bit of a uh, an emotional reaction to some of the stuff at oh. work. Um, it's just that I've been in the business for – the same business for, like, 17 years, over 17 years. And when you know so much about the business and there's people in the business that want to – they got these ideas. They want to. They push for things, but you just know there's there's so much more to do. And yeah, and so you know the pressure of of a financial year, or how we're performing, can can have an impact on a lot of people that don't know much about the business. They just think about their own stuff and what they need to do, but you end up picking up a lot of the pieces. Oh yeah, and then people just start dumping shit on you because one, you've been there long enough, but they rely on you. Which is which is something that's quite common, um, especially for myself. Um, I try and help as, as many people as as we can, you know, to continue to grow and you know support the business as much as we can. Primarily because of the people that I care about in my team, they deserve a lot of the support, and that's where a lot of my passion comes from. Yeah, just ensure that our people are, are well looked after. So, what um, a business is this? So we're we're primarily a technology sales base. Oh yeah. So yeah. we sell like photocopiers, and you would have had Zane on here. Yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, or a month ago. So yeah, he's a, he's he's on our sales team. Right. Um. But yeah, I do a lot of the more the internal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Is that with Fuji? Fuji, yeah. 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 Because when Zane came on, because I didn't know about the trouble Fuji had with that whole sales thing. Um, yeah. What was it called? It was like a. They're they using money they shouldn't have used, yeah. eh? And um, they got in trouble. They lost the contract. They had a big contract of the government. Was that right? And then, but they've got it back now, eh? Yeah. So after that, the court case and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, all... we went through a, a, like a suspension. Um, and so there was a we went through quite a few years. So a lot of our contracts had to go through um, a government process that we need to do, like an auditing process. So to ensure that we all our ducks in a row that what we do. And that kind of stuff. So that was tough. Yeah. That was really tough, especially for us. Where that was, we say performing really well, to now being 
there's a lot of restrictions on what we can do. And it's it, it, was a, it was a good way of doing things because it just means that, you know, we had to look after our customers as well. Um, and we needed to restore faith back into our customers, but also our staff as well, because we lost a lot of staff to it. You know, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't, we didn't have the money to continue to do what we needed to do. And so the shareholders had to top us up and all that kind of stuff just to keep us moving and that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we, we learned. Yeah, it's pretty good that um, you won the, the government contract back yeah. because something as bad as pub- publicised as what happened. Yeah. Like losing the government contract and then getting it again, there must have been, because there's another competition out there for you guys, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a shitload, eh? Because yeah. I remember telling you about, was it Ryobi or? Rico, Rico and, and that? Canon. Yeah. It just gives them an opp- opportunity also to, you know, because we had a, such a longer process of the way, what, what we needed to do, whereas others could maybe do something a lot faster or something that we used to do similar. Um, so was it because you guys were, so is it, is it about you guys' um, processes that got you back into that contract with the government? That, or is the government just, man, we're sad that happened and we're disappointed, but you guys got to get back and so we can get, get back to business? Yeah, we're, de- we're definitely definitely back into business. I mean, we still we we still got a good product that's out there and stuff like that. We still got people, good people that are still working. I think that's some, one of the most important things as well is, is that is our are our customers still have faith in us. You know, although we have a brand, um, we're also going to show them that as people, you know, we're we're still there. Um, and those that were that were part of the scandal or anything like that, you know, the majority of those people have been dealt with. Um, and um, but you know, we can't we can't look back on it and continue to work on that kind of stuff. We have a we have teams that are they're going through all the legal stuff and that kind of stuff. But as as employees of of Fuji, we had to continue to service our customers. You know, and also we have to maintain our lives of what we have as well. You know, ensuring that our people continue to work to provide for their families and that kind of stuff. So that was a, that's one of the key things that I sort of took away in the last maybe seven years. Yeah. You know, so is that whatever happens happen. What do we do moving forward? Yeah. So how long have you been? You've been here for a while now. Yeah, so just over seventeen years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think I was going to be there that long. I also <laughs> always had a goal to like do five years maximum. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they looked after me really well. Right. You know, I was yeah. looked after. I had to, I'd gone through so many different like leaderships. Yeah. yeah. And um, I've learned quite a, quite a bit, um, and also about myself as well and what I can what I can do. Um, but yeah, I had I had a bit of a, a scary moment when I first started, started at Fuji. Oh, what was it? Um, so when I first started, um, I was so I wasn't used to walking into a company that had a whole lot of European people or Parker people, and so as as a Maori, um, it's something that I was always had at the back of my head that we weren't good enough, and especially when I was at at high school, I wasn't in touch with my Maori side, um, and so I always saw Parker people being the most successful people in the world. Um, and they they were always had primary roles, whichever role they they had, there was always them. And so to to get anywhere near them, it's almost I felt like you have to be like them, in order to be noticed or in order to be successful, in order to help ourselves. To to be honest, and so I had to look at myself. I was like, well, there's so many people that you can that you can rely on, but you have to make sure that you're right first. And so I, I got into a space where 
I have to defend myself and, and make sure that I can, what I can do, I can bring to others. Um, but yeah, it took me years. Um, you know, I've experienced quite a few. Um, sort, of, I, I don't, I don't like to use this, but but you know, racism, and, um, and whether it be a perception of me holding that like what Maori, what what I think people think of us as Maori, um, will always be in the back of my head. And so, even though I have a background of of a Cook Island side, um, I would use my Cook Island side as a, or an island side to defer if people wanted to talk about Māori stuff. So I would always think, you know, I'd go to my, my island side, you know, or I'm around island people, so I'm, you know, mm. that kind of way. Why would you do that for? What was the, what was the thinking around that? Because I'd, I thought people just saw Māori people as activists. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So you saw the flag, you saw... You saw the um, Tiriti of Waitangi, you know, when it came to, you know, Tiriti that you just saw on the news was all the bad shit that happens. And what we did, weren't educated about is um, what our our partnership with the, with the Crown was. And I only really got into it when Rawari Waititi um, started, you know, talking a bit more and I started following him a bit more. The previous um, Māori MPs that had been in there um, I felt like they're just there because they got a role. They, there's a there's a portfolio that's in there, and so therefore that's their role. But he's probably probably one of the most um, political person that I've actually really gravitated uh, gravitated towards because I started learning a bit more about our partnership, and he talked about a bit more a bit more about it, that kind of stuff. So I started adopting a bit more of that and talking about it in front. Of people a lot more um, and so I wish I had this earlier you know I wish I'd, I understood it a bit earlier but also I think that, that if we were if we were educated rather than just ticking the box and say we've done a subject and we're now moving on to another subject you know and then I'm not a, I'm not against we're making things permanent for Maori um, I just think that we just weren't educated enough or we chose not to in, in, in my case, I chose not to because I was afraid of what people thought of me or of, of Māori people, yeah. That, I think that's the biggest thing that holds us back as people, you know, like the, the thought that what other people think. Yeah. That's a major, eh? yeah. Like I don't know if we just continue forward by don't care what other people think, yeah. you know? Well, whatever's good for yourself and your family, that should be the way we should be. Yeah. That should be the way, way forward. Yeah. But I definitely wanted to have a, a more of a Pākehā uh, mindset mm. because how... Because um, there's only Pākehās around you at work. Th- yeah, at, definitely definitely mm. at work, you know, and I got a shock when I when I went to Fuji. And, then uh, you know, I had dreadlocks. <laughs> I had dreadlocks then, you know, but I, you know, I dressed up like, make sure I was appropriate to, to apply for this role. And then I applied for a role that, that I didn't even get. Uh, purely because they thought, oh, nah, I don't think you're suited for this admin role. I think you're suited for this other role. And I was thinking, man, why, why would you switch me right on the day that I started my job? And they said, oh, I think Oh, you're... without any, like, yeah, like looking into what you're, if yeah. you're good at for this job or that job. Yeah. Absolutely. And they just put you in. They just, yeah. <laughs> so they had, the, they had this other lady who, who applied for my current role. Yeah. And then uh, they just switched us. I was like, I... Because I remember meeting these the two managers of each, and I said, "Man, 
the the manager that I was applying for was a Sri Lankan lady. You know, she seemed pretty cool. I gravitated towards her because she seemed to be nice. So I thought, okay, sweet. And then my boss then was an older European fella. And he looked like an old, like, grumpy-ass person. And I was thinking, man, I don't want to work for him. He's too scary, you know. But um, they had their own internal ideas of who they preferred to be in their team. So, yeah. So my first first 90 days was the was the worst experience I ever had. Mm. Um, you know when you mentioned you experienced the racism? Like it's a lot of a lot of it is that what you just described, put you putting yourself in the box. But a lot of it is us not realizing it. Yeah, just thinking, oh, okay, just go with the flow. You know, we we're like that, eh? Yeah, I, I know I was like that when I was that when I was young. We we just you we know? tend to accept it. Yeah, yeah, but accepting it, knowing that something's up with that, but just ignoring it, yeah. or being oh, like we just we just shrug our shoulders, eh? Yeah, when stuff, something like that happens, and then it's not until later long in life we that ah, that is that's racist. Yeah. You know? Was, was that the kind of feeling you had that's at that time? Definitely, definitely the mm. feeling I got. I said because is this because it's um, people can deal with a, a a male version of what's required in this team, whereas the person that I that that applied for other role later on, I I found out that yeah, she's not really suited for this role. Mm. I am suited for this role, and that kind of stuff. But I knew the perception was. It's because maybe I'm more vocal in what I can do right. versus someone who's just more passive. transactional yeah. type thing. And um, yeah, but yeah, I just, in my first week at, at, at Xerox, they sent me, well, they told me that my new role was going to look after the South Island areas and stuff like that. And my first week, didn't really get a lot of training and they said, you're going to go down to the South Island. Never been to the South Island. Um, and you're going to travel around the South Island, you're going to meet all the, the managers, sales managers, you know, and it's, again, it was all Pākehā people. And my first experience turning up was... Um, with dreads. With dreads. The <laughs> operational <laughs> manager's like, oh, you bought a big suitcase. You know, business people have those little cases, yeah. you know, they're just this real small. And I, you know, as if I'm going on holiday, <laughs> I had a mass one plus the backpack... <laughs> You know, so I was like, oh, you guys, oh, I didn't really plan to have room in the car for your suitcase, but we'll just make it fit. I was like, okay then. Mm. And so I met I met the first manager, Nelson, um, just grumpy ass, mm. you know, and they're just like, man, Pakia people again, I've never known how to deal with managers and that kind of stuff. So it was, it was okay, it wasn't too bad. And then I had to drive with the same manager down from Nelson down to... Um, Christchurch, yeah, and um, we didn't really talk. I didn't. I didn't have anything common to talk about to to this fella, and um, but yeah, it was, it was nerve wracking. How come you had to drive down? Why, why couldn't they fly you guys down? No, he wanted me to find out. I'd see how the country is. So oh, looking okay. at people where they have to travel, sales have to travel, right. and have a bit of understanding of how what they have to do out in the field and that kind of stuff. But man, we got to Kaikoda and then we we're like, oh, how far are we away from 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 Christchurch? And then I fell asleep. And he and he said to me, oh, Did you just did you just nod off? And I said, Yeah, sorry. He goes, I don't I don't expect you to to go to sleep. I need you to stay up. I was like, fuck. Okay, cool. And then we got to we got to Christchurch. Yeah. And then um I told him where I was staying. It was at the Heritage Hotel. And he went to drop me off at this motel. 
And I was like, oh, it doesn't say heritage. And I grabbed it and I said, oh, I'm staying at the heritage. And he goes, no, we don't put you up in, in, at the heritage. And I said, oh, this is my, my form where I'm going to stay. He goes, oh, okay. Normally you wouldn't be there, but okay, if that's what you've got. Hey, you this guy. And I was just like, <laughs> man. And, I, and my experience started getting a lot worse. Eh? Yeah. And I was just thinking, man, what, what have I got myself into? Mm. You know? And then, um, so he dropped me off at the heritage, but he didn't drop me off at, at he goes, oh, you just cop out here and just walk here. I was like, okay, that's cool. With my big, <laughs> with my, my suitcase and mm. everything, I was walking in and that kind of stuff. And, you know, my, my experience of, I didn't have a credit card, you know, to, to swipe in and stuff like that. I just had a form to say, look, I'm staying here. Mm. <coughs> But I did have a credit card, but I didn't want to use it because I didn't know if I was going to get charged. So I just said, no, no I don't have a credit card. And I said, oh, we need to bill you. And bill I you? Said, yeah, just like, you know, if you sign in, yeah. they have to charge you, you know, as a deposit. So that's okay, that's cool. And so I said, oh, can I just give my card and, or give you cash? So that was all sweet. That was all done. And I just stayed in. And I was thinking, man, it doesn't say if I can order food. And I was like, oh. So I rang, I rang that manager, and I said to him, oh, do I book the food on here? Because, mm. oh, no, normally you go out and get your own food. Oh, yeah. I said, oh, okay, then, that's cool. So I was I was buying my own food and that kind of stuff, but I just didn't want to buy it because I didn't know what to do. And I was in Christchurch for for three days because I was, I was taking over a guy from uh, in Christchurch, and he was just in, and I met him, and he was a real bogan dude. You know, and he, and he goes, oh, so you're the guy that's going to take over my job. And I said, oh, yeah. And he goes, oh, I manage the warehouse, plus I look after this other area. And I said, mm, I'm not looking after the warehouse. Yeah. yeah, he goes, no, you're responsible to look after the warehouse and the drivers. And I was like, shit, this wasn't in my job description. Yeah. He goes, you need to run it like this. And I said to him, you know, I said, oh, can we go for lunch? You know, you and I just have a bit of a chat. He goes, oh, yeah, I, I suppose so. And he just said to me, he's just like, um, yeah, the reason why I'm leaving is because I'm, I'm stressed about everything. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> this guy's just like adding more to the fight, you know? I was like, okay, that's cool. So I just took it, you know, whatever he was doing. Yeah. And then um, the sales manager for the whole, for whole South Island said to me, oh, well, you're going to meet the, all the sales reps. And I'll be in the boardroom at this time. So I go up there. Sit in, sit in the boardroom by myself, waiting for everyone coming. So everyone came, comes through the, into the into the boardroom, and I saw, oh, he looks like a brownie, you know. And then I'm like, "G'day, mate." I was like, "Oh, Australia." <laughs> okay, and then I was like, "So everyone sat down, and there was a few people that they weren't able to sit down because there wasn't enough seat." And then the manager said to me, um, "The seat's not for you. Um, you can stand." And I was like, man, what a, what kind of introduction is this? Fuck, man. So here's me standing <laughs> back, and they just having their own sales meetings and everything like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, they just and he just said to me, um, oh, just before we finish, do you wanna do you wanna say anything? Do you wanna introduce yourself? And I said, why why not introduce myself? You know, in the beginning, who I was, you yeah, know, I'm yeah. a guest. <laughs> and I just told them, you know, my background and stuff like that. And they go, okay, see ya. We're gonna carry on. You can go. I was like, man, that's day one, two more days here. Then he tells me, oh, I'm going to drive you down to um, to Dunedin and then Queenstown. Man, two days there, just trying to find ways to connect with people. Mm. Um, there was a few that I connected with, which is which was cool. Um, but, yeah, it was quite shallow, though. 
I was like, cool. Okay, met a whole lot of Pago people. I'm going to move on to move uh, to meet more. Yeah. Got to Dunedin on day four. Um, got into a, another boardroom. Straight away, introduced myself, what I was doing. And they said, yeah, you're just another Aucklander coming down, trying to take our job. I was like, oh, well, not really. <laughs> I'm just here to try and support what I need to do and that kind of stuff. He goes, no. Nah. And um, at that time, there was there was a, a managing director who was quite quite strict and like people were scared of him. Eh? And this this guy who only just started in the the company like a couple of months before I did, mm. and he said to me, "Yeah, I ask you once. If I have to ask you the second time, the third time I go straight to the MD." And then I was like, "What?" This is it. That was it for me. You know, I thought, okay, I'm just going to sit here and just listen. I rang my boss straight after that and I said to him, look, I had, this was the threat that I got. This is my experience down here. Um, and I'm off to Queenstown, which I'm thinking that's going to be even worse, mm. you know. It's like the deeper you go in the south, yeah, the more racist. It's, it? it's, just getting, it's just getting worse, you know. By that, time, by that time, you're already on the oxygen level and it's already, the needle's down. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I was just thinking, man, these people are so mean. You know, I was like, oh man, I can't wait to get back to Auckland. All I could think about was getting back to Auckland. Um, yeah, it was just this crazy. And then, yeah, when he said that, it was just that was it for me. What was your boss's advice when you told that to him? Your boss in Auckland? He just gets, don't worry about it. Wait till you get back to Auckland. You know, we'll we'll sort it in. <laughs> yeah, we'll sort it. All right, well, I'll just leave. You know, and then I went to Queenstown. And, uh, you know, they had this other manager who had a flash-ass car, you know. Haven't been in, like, a flash-ass car. Anyway, he drove me from Dunedin to Queenstown, and I met this other guy who had no idea what I was doing there. <laughs> you know, and I was just like, this is just getting worse. You know, it's just... And then, I, and then he goes, oh, what time's your flight? And I said, it was at 3 o'clock, and we were installing Queenstown, and I had, like, two hours to get there. And I said, I don't even know how to you know reorganize my flight you know any of that kind of stuff because the person who's an who's an admin person back in Auckland was actually on leave so who do I take it out of my own money to fly back so anyway he goes oh I'm gonna rush off you know and he took us through like the fucking walk boardwalk to everything and I was just thinking and I look at the time and I was like man I hope I make it back to Dunedin and then his and then the next uh, sort of it's overheating his car was overheating. <laughs> do you know the first thing he said to me? He goes, do you know how to fix a car? And I said, I don't own a car. Just, you know, so I'd never owned a car. I, ca- I catch public transport, you know, because I didn't know how what to do, you know, because I think he just thought I know how to fix a car. And I was, I, in, in some ways I was thinking, maybe he thinks I steal cars, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and maybe, you know, maybe how to now fix a car. I said, no. So finally, we got it. All it needed is a top up with water. So the radiator was over here. So we managed, we just made it, my flight, man. I got back to Auckland. Um, I, I I felt like I was home, you know. I was, I was just like, man, how do, I, how do I deal with going to work on Monday? Tell them I'm not, this is not the job. But anyway, I got back to Auckland and it was about, about nine o'clock at night and I phoned my boss's manager who actually the one that hired me and he did and I told him about it and he goes don't rush to anything it's just all new so uh, we'll sort it out on Monday yeah and then I, I worked and I and then I carried on working for three months um, just to see if I can stick it out 
Was there any response about all the your experience? Like the bad experience you had going down? <clears throat> was there any response? So I, from I shared I shared it with some of my t- some of my team members mm. who have been there for for years. So I listened to their conversations. And I thought maybe I can um, share a bit more of my experience with them. Because were, you, th- think, were they, you thinking maybe you're not the only one that had this experience? No, I thought I was the only one. Oh. Yeah, I thought I was the only one because there wasn't an, there wasn't other brownies until I started moving around the business, and then I um, then I found oh there's a there's a there's a Samoan lady who's from the Yandel sisters who worked on our res- uh, at reception. Um, there was one another Samoan lady who was working in like a like a billing team, and I was like, and then I saw the people in the warehouse. I said, oh, there's a brown manager there too. I said, maybe it's okay. But every time I went to the cafeteria, I would, you know, sort of walk past them on purpose, even though the line's that way. But I would just like walk past them until if they said, oh, hey, that kind of stuff. So I tried to mix in with them. Mm. But they had a manager who was who also a bit of an asshole too. I was like, oh, he's a bit mean to me. Mm. And they didn't really acknowledge me and that kind of stuff. But the two ladies that I spoke to were really cool. Lovely ladies, and um, yeah, we became really good friends. Mm. Even though they're like in their sixties, but they were really good, you know, that kind of stuff. So there's a bit of hope there. Yeah. I thought, oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's, you know, it's not not too bad, mm. you know. But um, but yeah, as I I just continue to work hard, and and you know, one thing that I remember is that person who said that I I'll ask you once, I'll ask you twice, and this third time I'm gonna go straight to the MD. That that that's stayed with me for such a long time, and I just said, "This guy is going to hassle me constantly, constantly, because I'm going to be dealing with a lot of his stuff." Mm. So I said to myself, um, "Even though I I don't like him as much, I'm going to do whatever I can to to assist him." And we became really good friends. Oh, really? After a couple of months, because yeah. every time he he asked for something, I would always say to him, "Look, I, look, I didn't have the answer, but can I come back to you, say, like in an hour?" I would go and search and find out what I need to get from him, and I did that every time for him. And then, after a couple of months, he was like, "Hey, bro, how are you?" And I was like, <laughs> "Changes." Yeah, and I just uh, I thought. You know, and there was another rep who was also the same. Who, um, uh, I always looked up to this guy. That um, he's a he's a pommy, and he'll walk through and he'll talk to some of the other guys. And then um, I used to laugh the way he's because of his accent. Mm. And so he had a pommy accent. And then I would um, imitate him after to to the guys on the team, and they would like laugh all the time every time I like try and talk like a pommy. Yeah. And so I would do that, and that's so people started yeah. laughing at what I was doing. And so I would continue to mock people or imitate people. And so every time someone would laugh and just like, that's where I was able to start connecting with a lot of people. Mm. And then that guy that I was just talking about earlier, I said, if I can get one person on board with me, what about if I did 95% of the business that I could do, that I could work with to make not only my job easier, but to make it more fun so that my experience that I've had, it's worth it. And so I continue to drive that at work is I get to know everybody. Mm. And so, but, and this, this is where we're at now. So everybody relies on you now because you're so reliable. They trust what you do. 
um, you know, but it, at a cost, it comes with time. Um, but I've, you know, I've, I've grown so much by learning a lot about people and that mm. kind of stuff. So even though I did that for many, many years, say like 10 years, um, by growing to do like that, is that I needed to start thinking about the people that I, that, that, that should be part of my journey as well. Mm. In particular, um, Pacific Island of Māori. Um, because I've seen what I had, um, I think it's time for for those people to also be part of how good we are. Right. And um, so yeah, there was, there was one guy who who we um, who applied for one of our roles inside, and I thought, and I said, and this is within that ten years, I said to my boss because he asked me, oh, I was like, what do you think about this guy? I said, oh, he's had a child, or there's a child on the way, and in this job you had to work really long hours. And so, and I was I was putting uh, what I do and expectation on others, and I didn't want people to think that uh, Maori and Pacific um, have all these children. They never have the dedication towards work, but knowing that we're we're such hard workers, we work so hard, but we don't say much, and that's that's what it was like at at Fuji, is that we're so good in the background that we didn't really get that acknowledgement what other people got so easy. And so that was that was sort of tough and that's why I sort of I sort of had that barrier uh, as a protection to make sure that people didn't talk about my background or our culture because it was just yeah every time I I thought about it I'd just stay away. So is it the is it the thing that you separate personal from business at work? Yeah. Absolutely, mm. I, I couldn't. I couldn't talk about my culture. Yeah. Well, I choose. I choose not to talk about my culture because I didn't want it to have an impact, you know, of of my work or what people would think of me. Mm. And so I would continue to do that all the time, mm. just so that I could prove that I can do it without people judging me. Because yeah. I had the, I had the the skill and ability to do it, and I knew that I can get people on my side. So, it's interesting you say that because when it comes to a, a diversity in the work, work workplace, that's a a conflict. Because I think that society is trying to push diversity in work workplaces, but you know when it comes to business, personal, you know it's it's two separate things. And do you put the culture in the personal, or do you put the culture in the business? Yeah. With diversity, you're actually putting culture in the business. Yeah. Oh. Because it's it's a lot of things are driven by money. Mm. It's like. Does culture actually bring in money? Mm. You know, but I think what's happening in society, like you saw yesterday with the protests in the Albert Park with the transgender thing, but there's all this background stuff happening with people believing in their rights and yeah. believing in certain things and oppressed people, and you need to look at us more and and diversity comes into that in a way. So, so so corporations are looking into that now. Yeah, like if we're gonna offend certain groups now in society, yeah. then we can't do that in our business. Yeah. So now you're bringing in yeah. certain things there. Like, now you're bringing in culture. Now, now you're corporate. bringing in culture and they're all like, yeah. and then, <laughs> then I start thinking, I say, oh man, this person's going to like, oh, we're gonna, well, someone's going to bring out about this and that kind of stuff where it wasn't before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's something that we, people, it's like a taboo mm. situation or a conversation to have. Um, but yeah, I, I also think that what government is also doing is also bringing that in as well. 
So by bringing that in, you're actually creating something so that it becomes not just the norm, but for us to start creating a platform for actually making it a conversation that we can have. Mm. Because the thing that I have at, at Fuji is that a lot of, especially Parker people, will say to me, I can't believe you said that. Like, I would say stuff, but in a joking way. Yeah. Um. So everything that would be... um. Like a, a, just for an example, I would say to someone who is um, who's actually pregnant, and then I say, "Oh man, you've changed a lot," and they're like, "What? Do, what do you mean?" And I said, "Even though they're they're pregnant, yeah. I know that they're pregnant." I said, "I've seen you've been eating quite a bit, you know that kind of stuff." So, um, and we all go through that, you know. It's it's a tough cycle we go through, um, but yeah, you should never be afraid to be fat. You know, it'll be stuff like that. And, mm. was, and, you know, and people just like, can't believe I said, even <laughs> though this person is, is pregnant, but people don't know that she's pregnant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then people were just like, oh my gosh. And then I'll tell this person, oh, you better tell them you're pregnant now. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it'd be just things like mm. that. Just, you know, just making things a bit more fun. Um, but yeah, I, I crack jokes in a way that what, what, whatever's taboo, it should be able to be normalize yeah but i use that as a way of how can i bring my culture into that as well so that we can talk about that kind of stuff because at the same time you know how we how we how polynesians especially us <clears throat> how we bounce is different to how the yep. how the white people do yeah you know and well fast when we, we bounce it's funny and yep. it's, it's different to what the white people hear when they hear it sometimes they go man that's not funny, but that's like real extreme. But yeah. to us, it's not it's like every day. Like, yeah, we can just get smart, you know. And that's what I. Try, that's what I try and bring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. so that it's not, it doesn't have to be only brown people can talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes when I when I create that kind of kind of conversation, and then Parker people do say something like that, and I'll be like, "Oh, you shouldn't say shit like that." Mm. They'll be like, "But you, you can." <laughs> I say, "Yeah, I can because it relates to me." What's your experience with it? You know, mm. and so I always talk about it, but more about experience. You know, rather than perception, because perception is can be quite bad. Yeah, it's something that you know that I know that it's 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 something that um, that's created me to not bring in my culture because mm. my perception of what people think is going to have an impact on why I won't move forward. And who draws the line anyway? Who 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 draws the line? You know what I mean? Like, if if I say something right and someone hears it and they they come up to me and say. Oh, excuse me, that wasn't appropriate. I heard what you said. Yeah. I wasn't killing you. I didn't kill anyone. Yeah. Like, what was wrong? What was, you had something. You had a problem with it. Yeah. You know? Like, well, why does everybody else have to, you know? You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, next minute, it's like standard. You yeah. can't say this anymore. Or you it can't. comes down to however many more people bitch and complain about it. Like, say the say the the topic was, um, like, the diverse, the, um, was it the gay and lesbian community? Like the example I used about the cake being in the lunchroom, mm. it's to support the gay and lesbian community. But if you don't believe in that, are you going to go have a piece of cake? And then yeah. you give your opinion about it. Like, I got a gay brother. Hey, I would say it because I said, I got a gay brother. But if you choose to eat the cake, but those aren't your belief, but you're still going to have a piece of cake, are you going to talk about it? And then they'll go, Oh, actually, well, it says in the Bible, why are you eating the cake? You mm. know? It's like trying to shut that up, but then also listening to everyone else. Because everyone's going to have an opinion on it, you know? It's, it's trying to do it without, 
you know, if it's just general conversation, like you say, normalize it, that's fun, that's cool. But when it starts to become that, oh, you offended them, you know, or they yeah. took, they took, oh, they took offense to what you just said. But then again, why are you trying to normalize something that makes sense anyway? Yeah, yeah, true. Like, yeah, something makes sense for for hundreds of years. You know, it's in the Bible. It's, we grew up with it. And all of a sudden, it's not right to talk about it anymore. Why do we have to normalize what's already been normalized like for thousands of years? You know. Yeah, it's full of sensitive ears, man. <laughs> so back to your question about where do we draw the line? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do we draw the uh, line? Where do you draw the line? For me, it's like, what is your reaction? Mm. Yeah, to, to something you know, because um, as soon as you draw a line, that's it. You then you become you either you either become defensive of what the response is. Or you start taking you start taking into account. Well, okay, you know, I, it's okay for me to do it, but it's not okay for you to do it. And yeah, exactly. As soon, as soon as you start creating a a, a response that's quite negative, mm. it's like oh, okay, just have a think about it. You know what the what they're actually asking, and then you know maybe you just respond in a way. It's like oh, I hear what you're saying. You know, I acknowledge what you're saying. I said maybe I did take the wrong approach to the way I've said it, mm. but my intentions were different. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it can always always turn out to be a bit, bit different to what pe- you know what you're actually saying, and that kind of stuff. So, I try not to draw lines and stuff like that. I hope we don't do that, because then you start creating policies. And yeah. when, when we yeah. don't understand policies, like it, the, these policies that people create, are so massive that you know our people struggle. Because there's a lot of big words that we won't even take into account that are in there. There are guidelines that that frustrate people because we can't be just normal people, you know. And and sometimes I say this to my team. I say, "Man, you're adults. We're not here to to babysit you and any kind of stuff. Just use your common sense, mm. you know, and try and move on and move forward and that kind of stuff." So, yeah, that that's just my that that's just my thing about about drawing the lines that kind of stuff because. I've I've experienced quite a quite a bit where those changes happen. Say, for instance, like the what happened with the scandal and that kind of stuff. We've gone through so many guidelines that man, it can drive people out of the business. Mm-mm. You know, and just it just can have a mental effect on people. Um, well, that's a good example for for government when government gets too strong. Yeah. yeah. When things happen in society where. People look to the government to do something about it, and yeah. the next minute they're gonna make these laws. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna affect the whole country, but that doesn't necessarily affect like forty percent or maybe yeah. even sixty percent of the country. You know? Yeah. Well, it feels like the fixing something that was never broken. It was yeah. just a miscommunication, you know. And it was like like simple things that like just maybe the the message was not delivered clear enough, or you know it was just misinterpreted. Because yeah, a lot of that stuff's happening everywhere. I mean, we shouldn't like my opinion. Like, we shouldn't be looking at the government for every little thing, every little thing. Otherwise, we're gonna, otherwise we're not going to be free, you know. And we end up we end up not allowed to do a lot of stuff like some common sense stuff, you know. And like, that, but that comes down to education too. Like, if we're going to teach the kids these days how to live life in the future, like, what are these? What are the what are the obstacles going to be? What are the natural obstacles going to be? You know, not not obstacles that we that we say ah. Oh, we better avoid the sort of thing because you know you know what I mean. Like, yeah. there's obstacles in life, right? But if we if we teach kids to avoid them rather than face them, because I think that that's what's happening right now. We're, we're teaching kids to avoid stuff that's naturally going to happen anyway. You know, I think that's bad. Yeah, because I I grew up with a like 
people in my life, the the strongest people, the influence people in my life have been females. Um, and I talk about like quite a bit uh, in my family and all that kind of stuff. Like my grandmother was was is the biggest um, staunch person for me to stay really strong within yourself and fight for yourself um, and make sure you, you look after one another. And then I've got my mum and my aunties who have a bit of what my grandmother has and they've, they work hard and they're, they're the foundation of our family. So I always look towards them because they're brothers. They're all like trades. They, they had the trades and all that kind of stuff. But they drank a lot too, you know, and that kind of stuff. So they, it was like the manhood thing, you know. It's like I work hard, I deserve that kind of stuff, which is all cool and stuff like that. But then I started seeing how grounded my my mum and my and her siblings were. Um, they worked in the corporate environment, and that's who I inspired to be, because they would work every day. They had money every day to, to support. And whereas my uncles were had the trade, and I used to think about, oh, these guys are not going to work because it's raining. And so there was always an excuse. So I saw that as, man, they're not making money, but my my mum and her siblings continue to work in an environment where they have annual leave. Um, they can continue to work, and and that's for me, that's successful, success. And so I gravitated, I gravitated towards that way. But I love preach like. Um, um, carpentry Carpentry was my favourite at school And I did really well And, and so that, I, that's what I wanted to do And we had a strong background Especially my, on my grandfather's side um, in, in carpentry So I really wanted to do that That was my my passion to, to leave school But also join the police force So those are the two things I wanted to do um, But I wanted to make sure that I had a job That I could look after my family as well and so corporate life was where I wanted to be. So that's where I sort of went to. And, yeah, and that's that's what I've done all my life now. You said you worked there 17 years, so that takes us to 2006, around about 2005, 2006? 2006, yeah. 2006. So <clears throat> what, what, what have you seen um, working in, in the corporate environment? Like at the beginning, it's different automatically and, and how you grew like the first five years, like understanding the difference between corporate world and and home life and you know personal and and and, and business because for me because i work in corporate as well and i didn't i didn't really learn it until maybe 10 years i was in yeah like i just treated it like a, nine, like nine, a job nine to five yeah but not actually getting into the nitty and gritty of what the culture's like and all yeah. that like i just thought uh, a bunch of white people you know blah 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 yeah. i just Go work and go home, sort of thing. But yeah. now I understand, especially the the business part of it, especially yeah. the don't take anything personal, that part of it. Because when I realized that, because 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 there was a time when I remember there was a part of the job where I I got emotional because I got too wild up with an, another person in the industry, and I had to deal with over the phone and stuff. Yeah, but it was it was funny because I got so emotional about it. It just got heated. This kind of transaction got got re- really heated, and it lasted for a whole week. So it was bad blood between me and and this other person. And then when I when the, when it got too much, I finally talked to my boss about it. He just sat me down. He goes, "Okay, look, blah blah blah. All you gonna do is blah blah blah." blah, blah, blah. And he just made it so simple. Yeah. I just thought, "Oh yeah, true. I had nothing to be, you know, if I was just stuck to the process 
you know, it's that sort of thing that he he sat me down and got me, put me through the. Well, I just read the email. What, what does the email say? The first email and blah blah blah, and just this is what you have to do, and this is what you have to do. Why do you have to get mad and do all this other shit? And it's got nothing to do with the business. It's got nothing yeah. to do with what you're doing. It's got nothing at all. You you two just made a you know big deal out of nothing, and you made it so big that you know. You're wasting money. It's like, oh shit. Like, but but is that the um the trade off because it's not people to people and that's via email? Oh, was that was the email first? It was an, an, an uh, instruction. It was an instruction first, and it was a hopeless instruction. It was like something that fuck, who can do this shit? Like, you know. Yeah. But it was just a simple thing. Like I just misunderstood the instruction in the first place, and it just yeah. got big and big. And then at the end of it, it was like, man, you're just wasting time. Like. So yeah. It's so simple. Just and my boss told me, like, see what you got to do this, and that's what you do. Why do you have to all, do yeah. all this other shit for? And like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was finally saw it. But then the lesson for me was, don't take anything personal. Man. It's like business. Like every business has a process. It, for every every conflict that happens at work, everything that everything that goes on 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 on, on site at and at the work office, like whatever stage the project is at there's always a process on how to get out of things yeah just stick to it yeah and just keep things simple if you get a question just break down the question and keep things simple go bam 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 and that's all you need to do yeah just step one step two three, step three that's it do it and then and then let it go because it's already done yeah and that's that's leadership yeah yeah, yeah. you know it's a so that's something that i that i that i learned a bit more about um and it's something that I wish I even had it even a lot earlier in stages. <laughs> oh, you're telling like me, that. man. That was, yeah. a, and, um, that was a good listen. <laughs> so if, if, we, if, we, if we had that a lot earlier, um, everything would have been different. Like our, our approach would have been different. Um, and maybe that's a, an emotional reaction because we believe in the hard work that we put in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it then becomes something really small can trigger off saying like, man, I worked my ass off into doing all this kind of stuff. I got to there and something so small, like mm. he was saying, yeah. has triggered you to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's passion yeah. of what we do. We're, we're so passionate about um, the work we do, um, the hours that we put in. Mm. Um, and that's just, I think that's natural for us. Mm. Whereas, same thing, I heard it from someone else. It's like, why do, you, why, do you, why, why do you come to work and take it personally? You know, just believe in what you do and then that's it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know that's just business exactly. Like, you know yeah, yeah. what I was told, and I said, "Yeah, yeah." Then I walk away and say, "Yeah, he's right." Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's what happened to me. Yeah. Like that was a turning point in my sort of working life at this job because I understood after that, like every everything that goes wrong, I don't know, goes wrong, but everything that happens that I remember, I remember that conversation with my boss all the time because it helps me figure it out. Like there's nothing to worry about. No, no one's after you. No yeah. one here is like wants you dead. No one here wants you fired. Like, you know, they just got their process. You got our process. We got our process. Stick to the process. You know, we'll, we'll we'll sort things out. Like, don't don't get angry. When you don't have to be. Yeah, and I think one of you <laughs> said that you know you're just a number, <laughs> and I'm just thinking, yeah, okay, yeah, the, absolutely, we're just a number. You could be replaced, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I and then I thought, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I walk away and I think about it. I said. So we've put all this effort in and someone come up with an answer like well someone suggested you're just a number. I'm just thinking, man, if if I if I thought like that, that means I don't care about the other stuff that I've done, you know? 
Um, and my, my current boss said to me, you know, I sort of put a timeline of what I was going to do for my, my current job and then I was just going to hand it over. And then um, I made a promise to, to one of my team members that I'll stay on a little bit longer. And my boss goes, why, why didn't you just, just leave? You, you know, and I, and I said, and I was straight up and I said, I'm, I don't want to leave because of just the job. I'm le- I want to leave knowing that I've done everything that I have but I haven't done it all. And he goes, what do you mean by that? And I said, um, I have loyalty to the people in my team that that ask for my support and that kind of stuff. And he goes, I, I don't understand why you have loyalty to people. I said, that's just me. I, I said, I'm a people person. I work with people. And that's what made the success that we are right now. It's because people believed in you and you supported them. And then primarily these people that, I, that I'm, I'm staying on for, Pacific uh, Pacific people but that's like a life reward dude that's like a life reward like that that's beautiful bro and that that shows your heart that shows your character like even in in leadership because yeah I've been I've been put in that position I've been put in that position where it questions your integrity your principle and the way you care about stuff like example was like you know a guy had held his own station for more than 11 months and the company wasn't willing to go in my job yet they wanted me to go tell him that if he can train the guy who's applied for his position like you know like I said nah fuck that I don't have the heart to do that you know and then I ended up stepping down from from that role but because you know you got a heart first you know you're human first before anything else but that yeah I mean opportunities come and go away like time and that you can't buy back you know you can always go back and buy the you can go and look for the dollar anywhere but yeah, you you encouraging that is like that's massive, man. Because there needs to be more of that. If anything, yeah. eh? I think if you work for a corporation, you don't believe in growing people. Eventually, the challenges ain't there anymore for them. You know, they're not testing themselves, and then they they, they don't value themselves doing what they do because they're just willing to be oh sweet, that's good enough for me. And then when you get stuck in that frame of mind, later on when shows the fan. That's the fuck help or like you know no, no one's gonna have an answer for all that shit, and that's just something that like man like Mona was on here and he was like talking about pressure on yourself you know if you can keep reminding yourself man you are a number but looking at uh, in the terms of like yeah well if I'm the number I'll be, should be the best at my job yeah. let someone else come and kick me out my you know off my station but until that happens you know it all starts with culture I think within the workplace of if it's a good place to be. After and and that's what draws you to the job. It's not the actual job itself. It's the people in the job. Yeah, like you can chase your career. Yeah, I've made it. But then the longevity of why you stay in the role is usually because of people. People, because that's the, that, that's the interest that everyone has. It's yeah. the one common interest. It's people. And people that leave the business will always say that they don't miss the work. They miss the people. Oh yeah. You know, and that's that's the most. Well, that's one of the most common things that people do say to me. It's not because they've been just been given an opportunity or they're seeked an opportunity, but um, but they will always say that you know we'll miss the people, and then I I thought man if I did that to my people then I've I've let them down if I let them down I've let myself down because I believe in them, and so yeah so we've we've got a few few in our team that are just they were almost pushed aside or it was suggested that they don't need to be in this job anymore. And that was that was about uh, just over a year and a half ago, and then but I knew the skill level that these these people had, 
And then I said, man, they haven't been exposed to what their, their full potential is. It's there, but people don't know how to u- utilise them. So when I was told that, um, would I consider looking after this team, I thought, man, the workload is going to be massive. But there are people in there that I know that they can do the job and help me. And they want to do the job. And they want and to so that's, that's, I said, oh, look, mm. I'll do this job for 12 months. And then I spoke to uh, I spoke to four of these people and I said to them, you know, my, my key responsibility is, is to, it's to do this, but also that I want people to, to see what your skill level is. And man, they are the top at their roles now. They uh, We wouldn't be as successful where we are, and I'm just talking about my team only, if we didn't expose their skills. And I talk about it all the time. I just continue to talk about their success and, and how how as a team we're being successful, but also acknowledging that, you know, these Māori and, and Pacific people um, supported me through, you know, through us leading together. And that was the most important thing is that as, as a leader, you um, one of the key things I always talk about is that you have to be a listener. Don't be the first person to say something. Don't be the person that you got all the ideas or you know everything. It's always to sit in, sit in something and let people talk. Because the people that will talk will will either talk about some of the negative stuff or they're talking about them or their, their own teams and stuff like that. But what is our really key objective of us coming together? And how do we how do we achieve what we wanted to do in the short space of time? So everything that I've, I've learned from my previous bosses, what can we do, what can we maximise in the short space of time? And for me was... Is, is the people that are really good at their job and that and it was just these key people that um um that have actually helped where we are right now and so some of the key success stories that we've had is that you know you've turned the team around i said i haven't turned the team around i've just allowed the opportunity for people to come through through fruition of what they actually have and i think it's a, it's an amazing thing to you know to have and that kind of stuff and i said yeah it's because one we had to listen and not be the first one to jump to everything. And that was the problem with everybody. And so I was like, man, I said, okay, we're going to show them how good we are. Yeah. It's That's cool. common though. I find it's real common when I speak to people is that in their own workplaces, like say, for example, you're a qualified um, um, sign writer, you're a qualified um, designer, and then they go into jobs and then they're advertising these jobs within their b- business, not knowing that they have someone on staff. Yeah. Well, cracks me up. Like they say it's um, I know it's sort of like the process. We have gotta advertise the job before we can elect. But they don't even make that sort of step to just acknowledge. Hello, you got like two of them on the floor, like you know, like within the business. So you don't utilize that person's skills or like what they've actually gained. You know, years of experience. It's so common, bro. Like I work with a guy. He's a hoist driver. He's a qualified welder. He'd weld like um he did aquarine, but he's done every bit of tig welding there is. And he shows the interest in the welding that's happening in the business. Like he walk around, he goes, "Oh, that's cool. That's nice." You know, We've, he's got a good eye. But if you talk to him and ask him what he used to do, he's like, "Bro, I'm a I'm a tradey fucking welder," and he drives a forklift. But he left not because of the um the just the, he got tired of travelling. But it was because the money was better, you know, and that's 
it's sort of like a thing like you know we get engineers who can't weld so they'll contract their work to someone else and they'll pay fucking way more money yeah. and then you got a guy just give him a fucking give him the gear man ask him to do it just pay him a bit more but I just see it so often man it's, and it's sad it's sad because you know the, the country's asking why we under, like we don't have the qualifications for certain roles when they can f- we could fix it we could fix it ourselves like we don't need to look outside but the dollar doesn't match, you know? The dollar doesn't match the skill set sort of thing. Yeah. No, but, you know, it's, uh, and it also comes down to what kind of leadership they were also going to be playing a part of. You know, how can we influence uh, good leadership? Um, I've, I've had some, so many different leaderships and stuff like that, and I, I inspired to be a part of what, what type of leadership there is. How can I take away their leadership that's really worked and how can I apply it to what, what I do in my day-to-day jobs so a lot of them was um like my very first one was protection I had a I had a, I had a leader that was um very protective of their of their staff and I maintained that so I'll always protect you know the, the staff or the people that I have uh the next one was um you know getting to know people and that kind of stuff that's my previous manager then uh, new people and so he got along with a, with a lot of people and people always used to go, go towards him. So I took a bit of that. Um, and then I had another leadership who's, um, who allowed me to, like, it's okay to work less hours. You don't have to work these long hours. Uh, but I found it really hard. I was used to working, like, really late hours. And then she said to me, nah, clock off at, 11, at 4.30. And I clock off at 4.30 thinking, what, what do I do? You know, I'm just so hardwired into, like, work, 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 work. And then I got used to it, and that's the type of uh, lifestyle that I wanted to do, and I carried on there for a couple of years. And then I then I met this uh, young lady who became my general manager, and she was 27 at the time, young Sri Lankan lady, um, was one of my best leaders that I've ever come across. Um, she saw potential, um, and she was quite open um, about talking about stuff. And she was quite friendly. I used to always prepare for a meeting um, because I just thought she's so smart. She's she's intelligent on the way that she does things, but had a lot of empathy for people. And I said, "Man, this is great." And so that was that was the turning point for me. I said, "Man, she's gonna expose me." You know, she was gonna expose my skills that I had. And then she goes, "What is your biggest fear?" And I said, "Talking in front of." white people or corporate white men that was my biggest fear but not now not now not now and she was like why you seem so confident when you talk i said i'm confident around people i trust i can have an open conversation about that kind of stuff but i just i continue to see corporate white men and women being too smart for me and if they were to ask me a question even though i know the answer i'll just fumble or I'm not going to say it right, or it's not it's not going to come across. And if they did come across as if, you know, um, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, that or that would have knocked my confidence down, and I would never talk in front of of, of people. But um, so she taught me something. She was like, oh, I'm going to invite you to the next senior management meeting. You just come along. And I was like, oh, man, just say this. I'm just going to... Uh, ask you a question about something in the meeting and I said what and I said oh please don't ask me and she'll look at me and she was like and I'm like no so I I went to a couple of meetings and then she just threw me in 
knowing that I knew the answer, and then I would just I'll just say it, and then I just got the nod from the MD. Goes okay, and that was my go, and that's where my confidence started to coming. So she she would she would ask me the next question, the next meeting stuff like that, and she goes, "Oh, the next meeting, can you explain all this?" And then I was like, "Boom!" Up all night just to make sure. Don't make it too long. Just you know, a few key points. And then, um, yeah, and then they started like, oh, this next minute, oh, do you want to come to dinner or, you know, drinks was happening? Man, I went to a few things and then everybody was starting like, oh, you're the new MD's best friend. And I was like, no, I'm not, you know. Just <laughs> <laughs> and that's where it sort of <clears throat> grew. And, um, yeah, so the previous managed director was a people's person. Were you the guy in class at school and put your hand up? No. Nope. questions? Were you? No. No one? No, no. no. I wasn't. I was, I was, I would always... Let everyone else do everything, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I was trying to execute it in a way where you weren't exposed. Mm. I was just like, okay, just do my thing and just. I wonder if it comes from there, like school days. Now how we're not used to answering questions. It surprised you, man, because he's one of like Elliot's one of a few guys that I saw when I saw them as like the way they were at school. You would never believe that they have the conf- you know their confidence came from school, and it was just more life work experience, you know. Well, it's crazy though, like, because like, you know, because I've been in in my in my industry going on about the same time, like seventeen years, and you you sort of know, because I started from the floor, you know, I started on the floor and worked my way up to middle management, but it's like, you know, just hearing him talk about some of the stuff that he took, he's dealt with at work, and it's like, man, sometimes it's like, you get so caught up in it, you forget about yourself, eh? Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things that it's hard to sort of like un- unpack, you know, because you've been so used to working long hours, you forget about, oh, shit. Then you start <coughs> juggling what commitment is, like, okay, I now won't go, I can't go. Then you become the guy who doesn't show up to everything. Yeah. And then, and you don't even have time for your family. And that and, and that's why I always say when we get the, the time to sort of lace these, it's like, work is only a segment, like a snippet of your life, you know, because you, you know, look around the, the whole world and like everything you can do in that time in 24 hours it's like amazing but then like you said earlier like 75 percent of it was just work work hmm. it's like man but i was like like you were saying if you yeah. knew and you could you know had the confidence to do what you what yep. you do now earlier shit we'll be sitting on here how's it because it's like the boys used to like like text and i would never respond because work was was priority mm. you know they were like they're out in the town and that kind of stuff and i was out i used to be out <laughs> on the town with these guys earlier but then i got so locked into work that that that's all it was it was about work 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 provide later you know that kind of stuff and i just didn't make time for the boys and stuff like that and I, you know and i regret it but i wish i had leadership that could teach me how to utilize my time minimal at work as a maximum output in a short space of time. And that's that's something that I we as people need to encourage our people, especially young people that come into the, the corporate world or any other whether it be sports or just anything else, is that how can we teach them leadership in terms of how can we not wait till we're like forty and and realise, you know, what we have to do. But that also comes with sharing a bit more about your 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 experience in life 
And that's what we need to do really at an early stage. And a lot of people are saying, no, let them be kids. Yeah, let them be kids, but also teach them a bit more about our life experience because life experience is a lot different now to then because our people will say uh, we had we had more in life back then and now it's it's really different. Okay, how is it? How do we make it so that, that we, we separate that kind of stuff and incorporate it into our, our normal lives? I try and do that, but I still gravitate towards work because I think that's where I still need to provide. Because you're good at it. What you're good yeah, at. it is. Yeah. And it is. It, that's, that's the biggest thing. And you enjoying it? I enjoy if other people uh, are part of the success. And that's yeah. where my joy comes from, is them. Right. So you're going to work for that success to yeah. get your joy. But yeah. I think yeah. everyone has that. They love the challenge of work. Mm. You know? Anything like that. Like, for example, if someone came into your office and said, you know what, if you can take this team and make it one of, like make it a great team and give you a couple of months, you're always up for that challenge. Eh? Just yeah. like if someone said to you, Look, no one else can do it, but you can have a go, you're going to jump at it because you want to do it and you want to do it, you know, trying to prove someone wrong or at least, you know, oh, fuck, I, I tried, yeah, they were right about it. You know, it was a challenge. What I find is like the second you stop challenging yourself, that's when you need to re reevaluate, but then reflect. And that's why it's really important. Like, I've only noticed, I only started reflecting in the last two years, like, since I lost my parents. When I think about, like, when I caught up with Mickey yesterday, we just reflected over the last six years. It's amazing what you can come up with, just, you know, because, you know, you have these milestones that you remember, like, vividly, just like you remembered the first time you went down to South Island. Mm-hmm. When I think about it, it's actually challenging to actually try and recall the emotion and the feelings that you had then because the responsibilities is always different, right? But if you can, like, key point all the challenges, you can almost find that's your motivation. And simply, it's that. If you're not challenging yourself, the second yeah. you give up challenging, you just, you're just about, you know, you just, <laughs> you just free will. Like, yeah. you're not living on time, you know, you're not living by the clock. And you don't want, you don't want them to also experience what you had. You want to make sure they don't they don't go through that, mm. but yeah. it's important to share it. Like your trip down to South yeah, Island. I, I share <laughs> the new staff that comes on. I talk to I talk to them about my experience. Then. Yeah, that culture down you experience down south is that is that still there? No, no. it's not. Yeah. It's not there. Um, I yeah, I I just accept people as people. Mm. Like I, I was never against Parker people. I always thought Parker people are. Uh, just so smart and that kind of, and then now I'm at the station. I was like, man, they're dumb, <laughs> you know. And what they do, not not I'm not saying they actually they're all dumb. I said, but man, they do things this way, but that's a dumb way of doing things, mm. you know. I can say that now, yeah. you know. Um, even my big boss now, <laughs> um, <laughs> he, I, even I can tell him like stuff, and I and I, I said to him, um, and we had a a, a Tongan lady who become our GM. I encourage her to become our GM. And I said to her, become our GM is one of the things I said to her. Because you'll be the first Pacific Māori or a Pacific person that'll become a GM here at Fuji in New Zealand. And she was like, oh, I didn't think about that. I said, yeah, naturally you wouldn't think about that. It's just something that you just, you know, it's a job. And I said, do it for our people. Even if it's a short time, at least you've done it. Um, yeah, and even she would talk. She wouldn't talk about this kind of this type of stuff. But I can. As soon as I started, I said, "Man, I talk about bullets." I talk about that. She was like, "Yeah, you're right. You're right." And that kind of stuff. And and our big manager at the time, 
and you know he said to me he goes oh man that meeting was really good that you drove this morning i said oh man you didn't you should have seen how nervous i was i was shaking like this and they're like what you were shaking i said yeah i was shit scared again all parking people listening to me driving part of the business and now that you would never this is what he said you would never think that you were nervous you seem so confident and then i said you know what it is i tell you the, I, I tell you the truth i'm i'm afraid of corporate white men you know he's a he's a he's a parker follower and he was just like what and then and i said i said to lilla this the other general manager the tonga lady and she was like so, also nervous to say to back me up I said no. It's it's quite common thing for us Pacific and Maori to think that we're not good enough. And she goes, and he he just said to me, he goes, it'll it does not come across that way. I said, no, I'm just I'm just sharing you my experience and my perception of what what I go through and that kind of stuff. And then she said, she goes, yes, it's really common with us. <laughs> yes, it's for us people, we're such hard workers. We do all this kind of stuff, but we we think that um, we're not good enough. And he says, you should never think like that. The way you you took the meeting, the way you drove things, you just uplifted people. People want to join your meeting every day. They just think it's amazing. You're so positive. Um, you're funny when, you know, things are really serious and you're able to crack it, but you'll also be able to bring it back to what the business needs to drive and that kind of stuff. So we want you to continue that. And so, yeah, and so that's where I started growing. And just, like, I'm not not afraid of any anybody now because it, it is business you know the work is work and and i can just be myself now yeah which but is do really you cool. think that that was the key right there just being yourself yes it was because we we're giving advice to avi because obviously applied for a few jobs and that was the one piece of advice that i said so i was like pray don't try and be anyone else but just be yourself yeah and like because that's that's how you got the job in the first place yeah you know you're the one who put your name not yeah. a pretend name it's, you know just be yourself but that's what I, I said, man, like, you know, if you're just, because you're concerned for people and you're about the people, you're about helping people grow and stuff, that's rich, man. Like, anyone can aspire to want to, it's like, you know, that good energy, you want to be around good energy. You yeah. Know, you want to be around people that uplift and, like, help you get to the next level sort of thing, you know? Because, yeah, you don't surround yourself with the right people, man. <laughs> you just be in the same spot, you know? Yeah. You, you never grow. Like, but at the same time, it's never... Even though you got a lot of these negative people that you have to deal with day to day, that kind of stuff, is never treat them differently. You would treat them exactly the same way you would treat everyone else in, in a way that, like, like face to face, you just you know still try and support them as much as you can, because one day you know the, you know there could be a change within that kind of stuff, and you still want those people around, because you know sometimes I think we never know what people go through. You know, we don't we don't know their experiences, what their situation is at the moment, and that kind of stuff. And sometimes when I just, when I get really shitty, and I don't really get shitty at work much, but um, there are people that I can share a bit of frustration with. Um, I then realize, oh man, they're going through way more worse stuff than than I'm currently going through. You know, this is just work, and some sometimes it just knocks me back, and it's just like, okay, just you know, peel back a bit and just like reflect on other people's lives, and it's like, it's just work. <laughs> Yeah. Now I always celebrate when you see Pacifinders being successful in the corporate world, especially. Um, you know this whole thing with the diversity thing coming into the workforce. I've noticed that in, in my job, yeah. like I think we've started to implement a whole lot of stuff that I've never seen before. 
you know, even with the reviews we do. Yeah. Like now we've got this questionnaire now. You've got to fill out and there's yeah. a lot of... Was like, it the um, engagement survey? Yeah, engagement survey. Yeah. yeah. They and try and tell you, they try and con you into saying, oh no, <laughs> it's confidential, it's confidential, but you <laughs> fill it out anyway, yeah. Yeah. Then so, they break it down by team. So then, yeah. then you get it to the manager. And the manager goes, "I know who these and they, these and negative." Yeah, ones. exactly. <laughs> they pull up the so sheets. They pull up the sheets. And strategic case. Yeah, strategic game. Yeah, another like, tick the box. Tick the box. Down, yeah, yeah. Down it, yeah. And then, and I okay, okay. I think that's the way the world's going. So yeah, but in, in your job, you've been here seventeen years. Have you seen the difference now from before? Like ah, uh, not not a huge amount. Hmm. There's not uh, there's not a lot of us. Um, Pacific people there, um, even with the fishing. changes and policies and that around the diversity, because we've started to do them. In my job, like have they brought in stuff like that? Oh, they they did. They created they created a team. Oh, um, they brought in they brought in they brought in like a governance team. They mm. brought in um, sustainability. They started creating all these new things that the the world's going through, or this government's going to change and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's, every time they did this, so they create something within the within the company mm. and so we a lot of us complain like oh here's us doing all the hard work they hire all these other people to do all the survey all this other kind of stuff mm. um but yeah survey came in about diversity and how we're performing all that kind of stuff and man the document was like this thick right and i had just started this role called change and transformation yeah and part of that role was um i was utilized for this role because of my um my connection with a lot of people and so we were going to take in another department that was really difficult to deal with and they were going to merge it with with our teams that we had and um there was a bit of a hesitation nobody actually wanted this department mm. because there were an older generation i should say an older generation who had who would work come to work early they went on breaks on their you know they, they had their core group and um, they were just hard workers, but they did things really long. And it was like, they've always done it that way. And then the high, they had the, one of the highest turnovers of young people joining. And I used to see like um, Pacific people in there. And I was like, yo, the, you know, there's some Pacific people. And I try and talk. And they like to say to me, oh, um, I'll come over and talk to you. And I was like, why? He says, oh, no, no, it's, it's, um, we're not allowed to talk to people. I'm mm. like, what the? <laughs> and I'm thinking, these managers, these ladies, these older ladies that have been in the country for such a long time, I get along with them and I mock the shit out of them mm. um, in a way that people would never, ever mock them. But that was just my personality at work. Yeah. And I used to like, talk about the, how old they are and um, do, you, do you want us to make sure the lift's always working when you, you know, come to work? And you know, they'll just like... <laughs> But I would, you know, and that's that's just the banter that I had with them. Mm. But I didn't realize how what type of culture they were working under. Mm. The managers or the the the, the, the team and the, the team. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, nah, that can't be happening. Until we took over this team. Yeah. And then they just said, um, can we come and talk to you? You know, they'll just do all the sneaky stuff. I said, oh, but don't come around and, and, and talk hey. to us about that kind of stuff. And, and I said, oh, why? What, what's the problem? I'm going to come around. You know, and I was like, oh, no, no, no. And it wasn't until I said to them, I said, hey, can you give me this? Can you give me this? And in front of the, their manager. And then all I saw was a manager like this. And then and they said, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get it to you, Elliot. That's cool. And then I walk away. 
And then I like looked up and watched, and the manager was honestly having a go. And I was like, what the hell? Then I said to him, come, come and talk to me. Mm. And then he, he, he got told off because he's not allowed to ask for questions without going to the boss. Mm. And I just thought, how toxic is this? Mm. Yeah. And that's an old school sort of way of that's very an old, old school, school structure. Eh? Like, yeah. um, that's like working in the factory sort of. Was, no, I worked under a, I worked under a management that was similar. It was like, um, and so we had. So what was it? I was doing like an English sort of like right inside the business because we had downtime because like a lot of people English was their second language. So we got to we got to do it like we got to do these short courses and the old lady came to take. She's like a tutor. She came to take the tests and stuff. And then the situation came up. It was like scenarios you read out, okay? Someone wants to take an annual leave, but um, it's been denied, and this person has escalated it to the next person. It was something like that. Fair, this lady sat there and goes, nah, if that boss says no, there's no fucking way that they're allowed to leave. It is inappropriate. You jump over the top. It was like, well, who's, who are you supposed to escalate it to if no one's, if you didn't come to a resolution? you got to get the union involved. And she goes, no, nah, no, nah, that's just protocol. In the business, especially in the corporate, when the management is, you know, no one goes over each other's heads. It's like, so who answer? Who do the big bosses answer to? And fucking, she was like, going, "Oh, I think you're just being a little smart little shit." She got quickly, <laughs> she got quickly got personal <coughs> before answering the question. I said, "Exactly, that team is just a team. They don't fucking own the corporation. This is the whole shareholders sort of established with the words." But fuck, you know, if someone, if I don't get an answer from you, I'm gonna go over his head. Fuck, you know, who are they? But it shows, they eh, like that shit's toxic, man, and that stuff's still around, man. No, it's, it's, it's still around. It's some army kind of. But it, it, it was for them, <laughs> you know. And and the, the good thing was is that, um, in my role was, um, we had to have champions from each each team, and so the champions are to feed things that they can help improve, um, <laughs> socially and within their roles, um. And I said to my boss, I said, "Are you? Are you? Did you just hire? Me? Did you create this role so that it makes the job easier for you to help connect the people together?" She was like, "No, I didn't create a role just for that. I just thought this is a part of the change, and, the, and you're really good at it. Not that I'm saying that that role is for you." I said, "There's no one else is going to go for this role," and and then she goes, "I'll just have a think about it." So I said, "Oh, look, I'll just do it because I support her and that kind of stuff." But then it was a it was a big eye opener as to what we actually really saw the type of culture they were under, and um, one uh, the key thing for me was that I had a good relationship with the older generation, and then I also had a good relationship with new people that came in, and every new people that came in into the job, I think man they're smart, they've got this new way of working, mm. but they like bit of flexibility. Whereas the older generation don't have flexibility, so how do we how do we make it work so that there is a bit of flexibility, also sharing but experience that these people have, as well as trying to get the experienced people to hopefully adopt some of the changes. Well, the the COVID lockdown has been a good sort of time to practice all this um, flexibility, which is the, which is the great thing that came along. Yeah, because just before then. We started getting laptops to you know, mm, and you. so I had a team that I was looking after, and I and I made sure that I got them laptops, and I would encourage them to, oh, on maybe once a month work from home. They were like, "Are you sure?" And I said, "Yeah," because you you know you and I worked together, the team that I had, and so they appreciated it. And what I got out of it, they were 
they were more productive. And I thought, oh, that's that's a good change. That's part of you know what we need to go through. Well, well, that's the thing that came out of the COVID lockdowns: the productivity when you have your mental health with you. Because now I don't know if it's there's a big change in your company, but the big change for my one was that everyone does Zoom calls now. No one goes out to meetings yeah. anymore. Our meeting room doesn't get used anymore because mm. everyone's on their their Zoom call. Yeah, that's one thing. So there's petrol. Yeah. less travel time and all that which is good but I think the downfall of that is that there's even more meetings now it's easy yeah, to have a meeting way more so there's too many yeah. meetings now because yeah. <laughs> you don't just, have to go anywhere it's like a meeting for a meeting about something <laughs> the same thing you know it's like yeah like so it's, it's quite common now like oh we have this big discussion and they're like oh we'll take this offline and it's like okay it's another meeting and like, oh, i'll take that offline and take another it's just, just like because it's too easy on. yeah it's too easy that one yeah rather but, than just nutting it out so like that was that. a change the other change was you know the, the flexibility now like you can work from home now yeah you know you, you can save power you probably have to use your own power you probably people's power bills gone up and internet bills gone up because they're working from home but a lot of companies even outside like um, scaled down like a lot of big office buildings yeah yeah a lot of companies left their big offices and got smaller offices and yep. half the staff work at home half the staff work at yep. the office so there's a lot of that happening now eh? so the, and a lot of comes down to especially the mental health stuff because while everyone's in lockdown you know there's a big budget for mental health because the government you know was trying to help the mental health side of things people staying home and then it led to like things like oh you know now I've got more flexibility working from home. I can do like household stuff and get my job done. And now the productivity hasn't been going down. Yeah, hey, it's been it's been steady, or it's been going up in some cases, because people have all day to do their work now. Yeah, rather than nine to five. Yeah, and there's the whole nine to five thing that's come under question with a lot of people, yeah. especially around the world. And do we need to work that those hours now? Do we need to now that we've got more flexibility in time? Yeah. I, I so guess I guess I guess every company would would will have a different approach to mm. to how they they adjust to um, flexibility because it depends what their customer base is. Is it a nine to five coverage? Is it something that that they can work with in after hours or before hours? So um, yeah, I think each individual company will take their own approach to how it best works for them. Um, I think there's a company. Look, I forgot the name. They tried it with four days. They went yeah, four yeah. days, yeah. you know, in the office and stuff like that. And they saw they had a um their first first year they had a nineteen percent um improvement. Um and then they just recorded I think the last financial year, uh, they had about a twenty nine percent um increase into into what they do what they did. Um so some of the questions that that I had for them was um how does the contract change, you know, for four hours? They keep the same contract. They're normal mm. nine to five, so within the business they said, "Look, you know, we'll give you four hour, uh, four days um, as a you know you're working." So it's thirty two hours a week. No, no, they do the full forty hours, oh. so they might do their their ten hour days and stuff like that. But we're not changing your contract, and the, the reason being that is is that if it doesn't work, there's no whole lot of contracts they have to change to go back to doing normal hours, and so. Having that bit of flexibility to try and work, uh, a lot of people adjusted to that. You know, let's make it work as a team. Let's not slack off, because otherwise it's going to go back. Yeah. So that's what the companies are doing. So they're making sure that we're not going to change their contract. We'll keep their contract hours, but we're going to implement, 
you know, four day week. How about um, how about burnout for 40, 40 hours in four days? I I don't I don't think forty hours is, is our norm. It's it's the minimum. I see it's a it's a minimum for everybody, especially working from home. Mm. I see our people working longer yeah. from home. Even though we have the flexibility to work from home, there are other flexibilities that we're doing. But um, and I'm I'm talking about myself and other people that I know that are doing that. Mm. Um, they will even though they'll do their normal hours, they'll still do more because it's right there in their face. Right, and mm. it's there. It's just something so easy to log on. You know, I'm worried because my daughter actually says, "Goes, are you are you working from home today, or are you going to work?" I was like, man, you you would never ask that question. I would never think that she would ask that question, and she'll say that to to um, her mum. Was like, oh, is dad working from home again? You know, it's like, oh, why is she asking that question? Because she sees it all the time. You know, it's like, oh, she'll come give me a hug before she comes to bed. I was like, shit, she's going to bed now, and I'm still working. So we we also have management that has, says they want to go back to um, back in the full time in the office right. as well just for the interaction yeah, yeah because they, that's what 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 people are actually missing is is their interaction with people rather than just meetings and all that kind of stuff mm. is having their face to face contact but then there's a whole lot of people like look we made some adjustments to how we work and it's still working productively but we also save money on childcare yeah after school care yeah. um, costs on petrol and that kind of stuff so that takes into account as, as to part of our flexibility again I, th- I just think it's what type of leadership that we're going to create in order to be productive mm. it shouldn't be about restrictions <clears throat> and that kind of stuff yeah and everybody's different too everybody works different like yeah some, especially the that was during the day are you better worker in the morning or you're or you're better worker at night yeah you know, some people work better in the morning and slack off after three o'clock or after lunch, you know, and then their brain turns back on after six. Yeah. And then they can work all night kind of thing. Because so. a, pe- a lot of people think, you know, what drives what drives our business? And a lot of people say customer. And I was like, mm, no, you need people mm. to, to support our customers. So mm-hmm. you have to put the people first, you know. And um, I remember there was a quote that was done by someone on social media that, you know, if I'm the manager... I work for my staff. Yeah, they, they they don't work for me. They can they don't they don't own the business. You know they can just switch off just like that. If they if they stuff up, the reflection the bad reflection on my on my team's performance is me. So I've got to work for them, not on a way like drive 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 drive. I say like making sure I'm supporting them the best I can mm. to get maximum output. You know for for my team members and you know to help us grow as well and so yeah i remember thinking a couple of years ago about the nine to five and if it's going to change or ever because i was thinking like say say we work nine to five since i don't know how many how many years have humans been working nine to fives but back in the days eh? well with, with technology it's given us is made te- technology has made us more efficient with what we do so when where does that stop? So, so say uh, twenty years ago, you worked nine to five. Your 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 production from that nine to five is is ten. Forward another ten years of new technology, now your production is is double that because new technology allows you to do it faster. 
thought and thought quicker. What happened? When does that stop? You know, we, we, are we gonna technology is gonna get make things faster, even more faster, even more faster? That's that's almost saying, um, do we need more humans in the world? You know, because we we're gonna create a society that has technology. There's always gonna be a human aspect as to what we need. Um, yeah, but that's when the AI and robots come in, because now they're gonna re- be for replacing people now. That's if if we choose to, if we allow yeah. that to continue to happen, um, and so. We as people want to evolve into t- technology based, but do we do we create um, our communities to be based around human aspect of life? Um, if we were to go rural areas, where we you know there are people out there that want to become uh, self sufficient in, in in different rural areas, and you know because it's it's better for life and stuff like that. Yeah. So do you, do you work towards that way, or do you work towards more technology? So you so for me it was like what can technology help me um, grow, but not take away our lives, you know, mm. that kind of stuff. So, so for instance, if I was to say to my daughter, um, I only want you to do X amount of time in life experience, and then only utilize technology to help assist, rather than how you utilize technologies as to replace something you know mm. and so that's that's my biggest fear is replacement mm. because the experienced people that i was talking about earlier that's what they were worried about because we started getting into automations right um but what we automated was you do this amount of hours um but what we're automating is taking away some of the those extra hours that you're doing that you don't need that you don't get paid for you don't need to do and that's what that's what we need to start educating people on the, as we're automating stuff that you don't have to spend extra time elsewhere, whereas you should be spending your time with family, friends, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah and that's now, what I hope that technology will do. Will just yeah. you know take away, will only replace that aspect rather than our you know our our jobs, our money, and that kind of stuff that we need to continue mm. to. I don't think so though. I think eventually robots going to take over stuff. No, I don't see it in many industries to be honest. Never happened in the barber Does industry. Does it start already? Especially no. with um, a, ba- a barber, a, a machine barber. Well, bar, it's crazy bars, to think. It's crazy to think, but there's a documentary on um, on Netflix. It's like a food one. There's actually um, in America, there's um, steakhouses. You got robots doing the steaks. Oh yeah. Because they actually scan the meat, mm. and they know by percentage, the fat content and the meat content, and then they know exactly. What a medium rare is, and then yeah. put it on the plate. I don't see Hot it in that time, man. Because <laughs> to cause me, like because like, my experience in manufacturing is pro- is the pro- troubleshooting, mm. and like yeah, like you need people to fix stuff. You need people to fix stuff, mm. Mm. and which is the human aspect of it. Mm. They, these won't be able to function without humans. Yeah, to continue that kind of stuff. I saw like, that their port and um yeah in, the one on, in China. In, so only one person working the whole port. Yeah, but see, they bought that here. Mm. And it didn't work. Key Street was full of trucks. They, Why? They, now they pull, they're trying to pull it down. See, they're trying already to mm. replace people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some things they that the machine wouldn't be able to do. I mean, you still need a much Like when it comes to the automation and the touchscreen, you still need someone to go touch it to figure out what's wrong. See, and the key thing for me is, is that we allow it to happen. Hmm. Or we, we're going to accept it because one, it's easier to deal with. Uh, two, it's, it can be cheaper, and so therefore that's how we tend to accept 
all those automations, those changes and that kind of stuff, not realizing is it is it going to have an impact on what what impact could it have on mm. on us? You know, because it starts with the assist there. Yeah, like you say, they like you start creating something, yeah. <laughs> but people are so um, so much into change things to make it easier for them, or they got they've got an idea and that kind of stuff, and it'll always be there and that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's the people that go to accept that change. You know, things, all those things that come along. We can be anti anything that we can, but are we going to hold our ground and say no? We're not going to accept. We'll continue to to live the way we live now. Hmm. That kind of stuff. So when it comes, eh? Yeah, it's funny you were talking about like the food and that. But I don't know if you saw. I think it was the when four G first came came to um, came to light via the television, like in the network. And the first thing they they showed on the TV was the surgeon doing the operation on the was it a vet on a dog, but it was via Skype. Did you see that? On that, like yeah. Oh, so like, he's got the they got the cameras. They got the dog yeah. on the other side of the world. Oh, and, and he's the doing, that. doing it. Yeah. yeah, so he's doing it like via the gloves, but he's just going like this. But the machine's not in front of him. It's in another country. <laughs> like metaverse, just, yeah. Like a memory just came yeah. up. I was like, fuck yeah, that's right. So no, we don't have to fly him all the way around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the other side of the country, or the world, and yeah. But yeah, like you said, like I guess your your business depends on as because your 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 customers are nine to five, so you have to be around those hours. Yeah, like, yeah. There's no reason for your place to be open at two a.m. <laughs> oh, def- definitely not. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. I just I, all I say is that as long as we're supporting our people to help to assist our customers, um, and just creating that that customer base to continue with us. Um, but yeah. People first, yeah. I love people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the that's the best thing for a manager. Best thing the manager should have a eh, to for them to be a successful manager, to love people, because we see on this podcast, eh, man, like oh, some yeah, some yeah. managers. You, you say it all the time. That's why I said, but you gotta listen to this, Dion. Yeah, but you're right. You, you hit it bang on the head. Some managers aren't managers. Some managers are managers, and. The reason why they become managers is because they're good at they're just so good at their job. They're bringing in money for the company. Yeah, they they might do that. Yeah, that's a good that's a good reason to give make to promote them. But what if they're not good people? Uh, what if they're not people? People. Yeah, yeah. they're not people. Persons. They're, they're good at the job, but they're not people. People. Yeah, they're you know? the yes, 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 yes guys. Eh? Yeah, they're diff- definitely those. I I see definitely managers that are good at managing their jobs or their roles, but when it involves people. You, you need to inspire them to, to want to do it mm. and that kind of stuff. So you create a purpose for them. What is our, what is our purpose in, in life rather than just what's our purpose just for the job? But if you're not open and transparent with them, they're just like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just do it because that's my job, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. But when you've got people that, are, that you believe in to do what they need to do, you know, not just within their job but, in their lives and that kind of stuff if you can have some small impact into that you'll just get maximum support out of them you know that kind of stuff and that's what I've that's what I've gained in this in this company with people yeah but yeah people makes us continue even though I want to move <laughs> but these people just you know <clears throat> good people they deserve mm. your support and that kind of stuff so we now got a question for you like um 
So I got a manager at work. He um, he's shipman. Like he's a he's an engineer, and he's fallen into um leadership management. He's got ship people skills there, eh? and I knew right off the bat when I first met him. But you have other people that sort of joined his team, but they're out of there. You know, they're out of their depth of like where he is. Like, cause he's cause of his, his age. Okay, he's like in his mid fifties. When other people go and join that team, they then change, you know, because they're around that sort of person who who's a certain way. What's your advice about people going into your roles, like in the corporate world, like or say, like, because you know we have it in our in our workplace? Like, what's your advice on those guys stepping into those sort of positions? Do you stay the same, or do you act like everyone else in the office? No, I always find well for me. It's to find out what my impact is going to be, and some of that impact is um, not their full roles or not everything that they do. It's it's something that what I can do that can relate to them. Um, and I'm I'm using one of one of these experiences where a general manager had no people skills, mm. um, and also was put into into an area where. It wouldn't really be this person, or we don't think he's the right person for it, or he he was appointed into this role for whatever reason, but he didn't really have any connection with with the team that he leads, and so I was I was hoping that I'll never ever be led by this person <laughs> because his people skills are way out. It's mm. it's just hard. He's got a hard line with things, and it's just his way, and he just doesn't see any empathy at at all. And people will complain about him. They just, you know, they talk. He's he's from the original scandal team and all that kind of stuff. And then he became my boss, <laughs> or you know, I, I ended up under his leadership. And um, all I said to myself was, there are there's going to be times where someone will need you at something, even if it's not your area and stuff like that. But if you ever get approached by him. Just accept it, because you're actually part of the the core business. But just accept it. Find ways to make it work. Present it to him. Like you got you got a solution, and that's your core strength with that person. Mm. And that's mm. that's that's where I sort of stayed with with him. Um, and he only spoke to me on those when he needed my support. And then there was a there was a time where we never ever talked. We never spoke other than that one time. But. He 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 rang me like at five o'clock, and he said to me, um, "Can I can I talk to you?" And I said, "That was his approach. Can I talk to you?" And I said, uh, "Yep." He goes, "Oh, um, yeah. Uh, I just spoke to this person. Um, I don't know what the f he's doing. I don't know what to do and you know how to do it. And, but in, I knew what to do, you know, and I knew what I could bring. And he just he's just like, yeah, no, it's I just let him go on and on." And I was like, okay, just listen. And then I went silent. It just went silent. I said, I'm going to leave it silent for, <laughs> see how long it will ask the next question. And it was like, are you there? I said, yeah, you can see me, like on, on Teams. And I was like, oh, no, I just, I thought you you hung up or something. I said, no, I'm listening. Mm. And and he goes, um, so what, uh, yeah, so I'm just frustrated. I don't know what to do. And then I said to him, okay then, if you have no more questions, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll provide a solution for you. And I said, let me take control of this this area and then 
but I need your support because the ownership of this area is actually who he's pissed off with. But I need you to to back me up what we need to do going forward. Mm. And he goes, yeah, 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 I'll do that. And then <laughs> he threw me in the bus the next day. I was like, next morning, I was like, yeah, we've got to do this kind of... And then, um, yeah, Alex got to take over this. Yeah. And then the, the guy, he was pissed off. He was like, wait, 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 what's, what's, what's happening? And all I said to him, look, I said, no, no, I'm not taking over everything. I'm going to assist you with what what, what need to do going forward. And so I assisted this, this person and we started moving forward to what we need to do. And this person, just, you know, this manager, he says, man, thank you very much mm. for, for helping me out. And I was like, cool, that was my thing. And so that's, that's, that's all I stuck to was um, if I can assist someone who I don't even believe they should be in that role, then that's enough for me. Yeah, because you just say an example for him. Yeah, that's a cool story, man. That, yeah. no, that, that's solid. Mm. The reason why I brought that up, because like, I've told these guys, like I've been taken upstairs and sat with the HR and this particular manager. And I've had him reading from the the questionnaire to him eating my ass. Like, nah, you're too too vital, too too important. You know, too too important part of like a key member of the team. If you walk, but that, that that's a big impact on 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 production sort of thing. But then to get over sort of like yeah fuck yeah he's got shit managing skills. But how can you just have an honest conversation? Like take the manager's hat off and just see him for a person. Yeah. And I found that, okay, maybe I'll engage with him on the floor and just have a straight-up question and ask him, how are you? And that's all I did, you know? It's amazing, like, just him asking me, asking him, how are you? And he's like, oh, but frantic. And I said, what's so frantic in your life that, you know? Because we're fucking making money every fucking second, you know? And then he's like, oh, I'm moving house. And just, just prolonging that conversation eh? and, like, it's an honest question, you know. Yeah. He's telling me, oh, fucking moving, you know. He got a grand piano and it's in storage. And I told him about how I pulled my back just trying to move the piano. And he was so invested in explaining to me. It was like, well, fuck, he got that off his chest. Maybe he'll stop being an ass for the rest of the day. Yeah. You know, and it's, but that's just from me being in leadership as well and then knowing, knowing like, bro, if the guy's walking around like a headless chicken, fuck, someone ask him. Are you all right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just amazing. Like, you can just ask a question, or like, some people just feel like fucking they're drowning. And you can see them drowning there. Like, they get drowning because, like, oh, fuck, you know, oh, we're we'll watching for that guy because he's, you know, but I'm like, why doesn't someone just ask him and ask him how he is? Everything all right? Yeah. You know? Like, but yeah. At the end of the day, they're all human, you know? Yeah, really. Yeah. And it's just like, even though they've got a position or somewhere and stuff like that, you could just, like, man, they don't deserve to be that. But we don't know them, like, personally, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then my previous boss, I said, oh, man, I can't stand him. And I was like, oh, why? And so I was like, man, he's just, his exterior is just so cold and that kind of stuff. Mm. But then she told me, she said, oh, no, you know, I had a good yarn with him. You know, mm. he's, he's got a personal side to him. And then I was like, oh, okay, then. Okay, one day if we ever talk, then we'll talk and that kind of stuff. But that was the, that was the, that was my turning point for that. I said, man. Everybody deserves to be listened to or yeah. be spoken to and that kind of stuff. And you, you know, you just treat people the same way, even though that you think differently. Yeah. We never know. I think know. the key to all of those leaders being really good people or being good leaders was the empathy card. Eh? Yeah, you got to show it, man. Because if you don't have it, you're a heartless prick. You're the type of guy if he died tomorrow, fuck it, you have to go. Fuck, I can see this guy. You know, yeah. and that's what. That's your memory of them, right? But if yeah. you can just brush it aside and just be like, see the person for the person, not the gender, the sex, yeah. or the culture, and all the rest of it, man, it's amazing. Because like, there's always there's always another side to them, mate. Eh? Yeah, they yeah. could mm. be this hard exterior person that they are at work, 
but then you meet them outside of work they're, they're so different and I've come across a lot of people that are like that which is really cool and um because I was like that at the beginning I was really you know if you if you wanted to to get to know me at work you know it had to be a year to get to know me mm. before I open up or, or help you and that kind of stuff and there's some older people that used to say man you used to be a grumpy person when you were back then but I was protective yeah. I was protective of, of what mm. I did and that kind of stuff and I was like, man, I was like, yeah, I remember that. Like, everyone used to say, like, man, nobody wants to approach you, too scared. Mm. You're looking after this kind of stuff. But when they get to know me, they say, oh, you're just like a big teddy bear. I said, yeah, yeah, that was just, that was me back then. Do you encourage Do you encourage businesses to do that? Like, get, like in, and like individuals and teams to go and learn, like know the person outside of work? Because I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm on that, oh, fuck, bro. If I, I'm one of those guys, if I get drunk with you and I've seen how you act, <laughs> that's enough for me. Like, nah. I'm but just... it's how you accept people afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, dudes, at work, are they the same people? Mm-hmm. You know? Outside of work, is, it's, it's people are outside of work because they're in their own element and that kind of stuff. And if you if you take that element back into work, then you're what you're saying to, the, and to yourself is, oh, nah, they're the way they're there is not going to be good here. Mm. And so, but if it does, if you say like, oh, that's the reason why they're, they, they're hopeless or something, it's because outside of you seeing what they are, mm. it's not going to be a good thing yeah, going yeah. forward and that kind of stuff. So, you know, that type of thing. Because I was like that too. I said, man, I was part of the social club, but people would say to me, oh man, <laughs> you're just like staunch, you know, at the <laughs> social club and all that kind of stuff. You only serve the bed and I cut off here and that kind of stuff. But they never saw me in a, in a social aspect. And then when when I decided like, oh man, I think I, I'm missing out all the joy that these guys are having. They talk about all this kind of stuff. And then as soon as I go and socialize, they're like, man, you're a crack up. You know, you're, you're, you're so different to work. And I said, yeah, this is the other side of me. Because man, you have split personalities. You know, and that kind of stuff. I say, man, if people think I'm like that in life at work, then I said, man, that's that's not good. Mm. You know, because I I come across, oh, I should be approachable. Yeah, but some of them got a bit too carried away. It's like, nah, you want to trick after work? I was like, nope. Mm. <laughs> yep. I was like, yeah. See, it's funny because I've I see I see working oh, my work anyway. It's um ever since I had that conversation with my boss when they had that issue ages ago. Yeah. It sort of ch- it did change everything. My perspective on how the work is much different now than it used to be. I never get emotional about anything now. Everything's strictly business. You just read what you have to read and do what you got to do, and that's it. Yeah. No one should complain. No one should be mad. No one should, you know, you do everything part of the process. Everything's got a process. You stick to the process, you're going to get things done, you know. And, you know, with, with hearing you guys talk about your personalities and that, like, it, yeah, it has helped me, like, take my personality out of it. You know, it's sort of like being a being a robot, but not being a robot. Yeah, still have your personality, but go through the processes and just stick to it. Don't don't get too carried away with. Otherwise, you're gonna do stuff that, that that's unnecessary. Yeah, you know, and and that's why I'm at my job for so long because part of the reason is because of my boss because he's the man. Eh? He's he's like the to me he's like the ultimate professional. Yeah, like he's the guy that he's different outside of work nine to five. He's he's bang. He's he's the guy that gets everything done. Yeah, you know he's the guy that brings in the work. He's the guy that knows all the answers to everything. You know he's just bang bang bang. And then when you're having a beer with him, and you know he's a totally different person. Yeah, like he's, he's he's like one of the boys. Yeah. You know, but you don't see that personality 
during work hours you know he's strictly mm. business yeah you know and i think that's a good example for for me and and <clears throat> just uh like because because i've thought about what you guys are talking about having having bad managers and i'm unfortunate enough to not have a bad manager for most of my my career but i did have one early earlier on and yeah man just thinking about how to handle that like if even if i stuck even if i knew now what i knew what i didn't know then even if i still stuck with the process then all yeah. that emotional stuff will go, go away and yeah. that bad manager will just be a robot to me yeah and all i gotta do is just do the do the what's written down in the in the process like you did you're at work to do a job stick with the job the job description yeah that's all you gotta do and be good at it but like that's it that's the dime right there bro yeah if you're good at your job you got nothing to worry about man yeah exactly absolutely nothing. exactly there. and and if that's what you're gonna do then try to be the best at it because that's all you're gonna do there's yeah. no, nothing extra don't tr- you can but you know just understand it's not on your job the, the description yeah like that's what, what you get when you get a, a, a promotion yeah like once you get a promotion yeah you get more stuff added to your job description do more be good at all those new things that come in and yeah. just keep on growing and growing like that or they just say it's part of your job even yeah. though it's extra it's part of your job they just say it's part of your job yeah, it's even, funny. even though you're getting promoted because you you deserve the hard work that you put in and your experience that you've created um, so you get rewarded to you know get extra money for what you've done but what they don't tell you is that this is the extra work or you're going to get this extra work that's going yeah. to come yeah, with yeah. it and yeah. so I, I, yeah, I but, find but, it really hard when people do that but in the long run I think you have it in the long run because if you leave, yeah. the, com- the company will suffer because you're a guy that's a go-to guy, you know? And c- I think any CEO looks at the go-to guys in there and under them. And that guy is, uh, he's an asset. We lose him, it's going to like two years to replace him. And when when we say two years, I mean training someone up to get yeah. up to his level because we're not going to get that anymore. So the more better you are at your job, the more leg you got to stand on in any any job you, yeah. you're at and yeah and i guess it's, it's part of your leadership if you if you're going to leave because you're doing it for yourself um rather than the people so yeah so i'm i if i if i leave um so if i leave the business and they say oh you, you know you're a huge asset you've gone you know they, they're gonna what the, what are they gonna do but for for me it was like before I do that, I want to make sure the people that I care about have got all the tools yeah, yeah, in order yeah. to, you know, take mm. over. And I always say to people, you know, this person will take over or I encourage these people to take over my role. Um, so I'll give them as much tools as I can so that it's never a burden to them. Mm. You know, it's just it just means someone else has moved on and it gives them the opportunity to now step up. But they've already got it. So that's, that's for me, that's that, the key thing for me to leave. That's great leadership. That that part and parcel was the um, if I have a day off or if I'm not here and I find my way for a certain amount of time, this place can st- still take over. No one needs to contact me because yep. you're really prepared to do it. You really yep. got the tools and you know the know how of how to get it done. Yeah, man, I believe in that, bro. Because yeah, I've worked under heaps of shit shit leaderships and management, but yeah, since I've stepped into it, I've always believed in that too. Like you know. I'm gonna be the fucking sick. <laughs> Someone's trying to ring me. Yeah. It's like, nah, man. You should already know. You should take care of that yourself. Talking a bit more about diversity, I just, I just thought of this. We've got a um, 
a Maori lady at work, um, and she was in our warehouse, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, she got the facilities manager's role, which I applied for, and this is the role that I wanted, and I didn't get it because they said they were gonna um, split the facilities rollout to different parts of the business. And so a year later, this lady got it from the warehouse and she got this facilities role. And I was thinking, man, this Biatch got this role. You know, this is my role that I wanted a year ago. And she just like slotted in there and got the role. And I say, man, she doesn't know shit about, you know, what I know. And I used to help the facility manager before. And I thought I had it. I, I thought I had the job because I had the connections. I knew who to deal with. And my interview re- went really well. And it sort of indicated that I was going to get that role. Then that went on hold for like a couple of months. And then they lined me up for another role. Mm. And I said, that's where the role that they actually tried to divert me to, which is my current role. Um, but now that she's got this role, and um, she seemed to be like just to herself. And like, oh, she's a brownie. You know, I said, oh, maybe I'll just say, oh, how's the role going? You know, I actually went over to her and said, oh, how's the role that you got that I applied for that I didn't get that I should have got? And she was like, um, <laughs> she goes, oh, it's, it's okay. And then I said, I said, oh, well, well, just reach out if you need any help because I used to do some of the roles that, you know, to help and that kind of stuff. And she was like, oh, okay then, thank you. I said, anyway, do you want to know my name? She goes, it's Elliot. I, I said, okay, just checking. And so just, just now and then I'll just like create some banter with her and that kind of stuff. And then um, I thought, oh, no, I, can't, I don't want to be mean to her. And then she said to me, um, she goes, oh, we should go for a beer after work sometime. And I said, I said, oh, yeah. And she goes, oh, sweet, bro. I was like, what? <laughs> bro? I was like, oh, okay, then sweet. Anyway, I, I, I made an effort just to go into work on my working day off just to do some other stuff. And then I said to her, hey, are you still keen to go for a beer? She goes, well, at lunch. And I said, yeah, we'll go at lunch. She goes, what about after work? I said, no, nah, we'll just go through lunch. Like, Who cares? And she goes, oh, I've got to do something else. I said, what time? Uh, she goes, when I got no, 12.30, we're going to lunch. So I we went to lunch and um, got her a beer. And then I got her like a shot as well. And I said, nah, she was like, oh my gosh. Anyway, and she started talking, and this whole time I thought she was an islander. And then uh, we started talking about um, just like personal stuff, you know, that we're doing. Or she started off, and then I said my background and that kind of stuff. And then she said to me, oh, her 60th is coming up, but her her sisters are flying over from Australia. And that, um, and she's going down uh, down to Waikato to get her moko kauai done. And then I said to her, Moko Kowai? And then I, and she said, yeah. She goes, I said, oh, I didn't know you are Māori. And she was like, oh, yeah. And I said, oh, that's cool. And I still thought to myself, she's going to be the first one in our company to have a Moko. And then I, th- I said straight up to her and I said to her, did you, did you ask your boss if you could have your Moko done? And she was like, yeah. And I said, you biatch. I said, you should never have to ask that question. What made you ask that question? She goes, I just wanted to find out if it's appropriate. You know, and, and I got frustrated at her, you know. I was like, man, people that get their muko kauai done or their mata order done, they're confident of what they're doing. They shouldn't need to ask yeah, for huh? permission or anything like that. And so I got really 
like emotional battle with her, you know. I Especially said, in this country. Yes. Bro, straight up, bro. Especially here. Yeah, hell? and I just said to her, I was like, you should have never done that. And she goes, whoa, 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 how many beers you have? <laughs> I said, nah, let's move the beers out of the way and just let's have a talk about it. And I said, at no point you should ever have to ask for permission or anything like that. Anything that belongs to our culture, you know, we shouldn't have to justify what you know. And that's what that's how she thought. She just thought yeah, maybe it wasn't crazy. a you know, just it was just a she said it was just a courtesy just to and I was just thinking, man, we still think the same. We yeah, still yeah, yeah. we still worried of what people would say, you know, and I said, Man, I'm so sorry I got angry at you. It just frustrates me that it's almost we have to justify something that belongs to us here mm. and that we have to ask for permission. You know, to have something like that, that's really significant. And I said to her, let me know when you get it done because the, the day that you come back to work, that um, it's not, when I come into work, I'm not going to say, good morning. You know, I would say it in Māori and I'll go, and we'll hungi. And she goes, oh, that'll be mean if you could do that. That'll be so cool. And I said, yeah, not hidden. I said, in front of everybody. And um, anyway, the day she she came in, I wasn't I wasn't there. Mm. But the day that I I saw her, I I, I made it um, an effort to go over to her in front of everybody and ask her how you're feeling. And she was like, "Oh, everyone's been really nice about it." They said that's really beautiful. And one South African lady, she cried when she saw it, and she was like, "It's so beautiful what she has." I said, "See, I told you, you didn't have to justify anything." Mm. And 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 she goes, oh, come down, come down. I said, no, I just, I'm just stoked that you got it done, and that, you know, you can sort of don't hide when you walk around because she was doing that. She was just like, not quite sure how people will react. Mm. I said, man, I think that's the problem with still with us Maori people. We still have the perception that people will judge us, which still happens now. You know, it's on the news, um, and you know, Orini that has uh, is a news prese- presenter. It's still been, you know, looked down upon and that kind of stuff. So that plays on, on us Māoris quite heavily. Mm. And so that's where I find it, yeah, it's quite hard to find people that would would accept what we have. Yeah. It's, it's funny because when it comes to diversity in the workplace, like the only issue I have with it is not knowing if, see, if I was a survivor that, that applied for a job, and I, I got the job. I want to know I got the job because I was good. I was yeah. I was the right person for the job, mm. not because I was Pizzavander. Because yeah. you needed to have more Pizzavanders in this particular job. Yeah, like that's the fear I have with the whole diversity thing. Because yeah. I don't get the whole start at the top. I, I get like if 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 we need if we need more Pizzavanders in a certain industry because there's none there, then we should start at the schools. Yeah, make sure these kids are going that way. Not going sports and <laughs> not throwing yeah. them to sports because we're good at sports. See, even that as well. Yeah, you know, I know, I know. As Polynesians, we're good at sports. We're good at singing. We're good at acting. We're good at the arts. You know, the fine arts and stuff. Like just because we're good at it, yeah. Like I want us to go that way because we love it. Yeah. Not because we're good at it, because we might be good at something, but we not, might not love it. You know, or something I, like that. I like how um some of my workers accepted the diversity thing. Like there's a few Catholic guys that they've been doing the one month fast before Easter, and so when the companies put on meat, eh, they put on fish mm. instead of doing meat. And we got a few vegetarians, and they all say, "Oh, these are the vegetarian burgers sort of thing." I like that aspect of it. 
Mm. But they were doing like is that the assumption ones, <laughs> like they go, oh, just because you're brown, oh, go, go, he'll show you how to do the job. Shit, yeah. that's, that, that's the shit that pisses me off. I mean, it seems yeah. to be working though. Hey, like we, I think we, you know, we need more brown faces at places where there aren't really enough. Eh? Mm. I, I think we need to be a bit more confident in mm. how we how we project ourselves. Right. Um, two things. There were always two people that I would never forget, and I became really good friends with these people. Uh, they said to me, "You're smarter than you look," mm. and I'll never ever forget that. So I have to. Then that, that, that for me was, I have to show what how good I am and what I do because I would either one, which I'm I'm correct in in one way when these two people said that, um, the perception of the way we look is not the same of how we produce our work, and so. I would always take that type of comment and ensure the people that I work with are never seen that way. And if they are seen that way, I'll make sure that we expose the skill levels that we have. Mm. Yeah, because it's, it is, it's still there. Mm. I mean, I still don't feel like I'm confident to go to another role without them actually knowing who I am. Um, so there, there have been two interviews that I've been to um, where... I wasn't successful, one, because they only seen my CV. And then I said to them, well, how about you get to meet me or just have a coffee? I'll pay for the coffee and just give me like 10 minutes of your time. And people would say, it's not how you come across on your CV. And that's where I find that it can be really tough mm. for us people, you know. And I, I even tried it with a, with a photo on my CV. Yeah. And I, do you know what I got told? Your photo looks too professional. You look like you're going for a CEO role. I changed it to make it more personal. And it goes, oh, that's what your CV looks like. And I was thinking, man, we're still, we're still in that way. You know, we're still hiring people based on a perception of what these people are. You know, the great thing about when I applied for my job at this place that I work at now is that I love that they had stages of interviews and stuff. Six interviews and... uh. And uh, was it a university test that's got a 20-minute time cap on it? They didn't give a shit whether you pass it or not. They just want to see you log into the computer and attempt to do the test. Well, what I love about is when I went through all the interviews is that all the questions related to the job that I was going for, and not once did they ask for the CV. I was like nine months into the job, and then they asked me, oh, actually, do you have a future? And I was like, yeah. Or do you have this? It's funny how they brought it up later and it was only because we had an audit coming. They wanted to see the credentials of the operators on the floor. But it's just like, you know, for me, like I hadn't had a job before that more than 10 years and then to walk in, go through the, you know, the applications and then the interview process yeah. and just slay it without even showing my credentials. Then I, they, they asked for it, but they were sort of saying it when they asked at the time. Oh, no, it's nothing, you know, it's just something that we got to show, you know, yeah. and it's just part of policy. But in my head, I was thinking, bullshit, you didn't even ask me for it, you ring the HR, they'll have it, you know. But I just thought, oh, it's nicer than to ask. They just wanted to make the um, the glass when you walk past the office look cool. I'm not against Parker people, I, I still think Parker people have an edge over us a bit more. Oh, yeah, financially, I'll get, I'll get financially, you know, they a just, lot of, yeah. A lot of ways, yeah. And it's so, it's got their white privilege, isn't yeah, and that. Well, <laughs> you mean the new lines, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they just, <clears throat> they've, they've, 
you know, if you look at all our top top jobs and our roles, our governments, it's always been pocket people that are in those roles and that kind of stuff. So you don't see much of our people up there. I mean, this co- this. And it's just the Green Party. <laughs> all the all the current government that that's promoted all these people into these these portfolio roles, but I'm just thinking, are they also just ticking the box that they're being more, more diverse? Yeah. 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 So I reckon they did with a couple of these positions that they last done. Yeah. Like yeah. So. But it, but it also I you know I thought about that and I said man, that's an opportunity that our people can yeah, yeah. thrive in you know rather than okay let them make the tick the box. But let's execute those those opportunities that we have in those areas. I'll take advantage of them, they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just really show you know what we're really good at because I I think our people are such hard workers. Not only manual, but whatever we we do, we put our our heart and soul into what we do, even though others may benefit it. Um, I just think we we just got to find ways that that we showcase what our what what abilities and skills that we bring to everyday life and that kind of stuff so yeah i think we're great we're great storytellers we're great orators but we're great at inspiring i think that's one of the inspiring is like the thing that i think that we we didn't give ourselves credit enough for like when i think about it like yeah when we like school here schooled here but if you think about the stuff that's stuck and is just embedded in your head like not many of it's done from like a caucasian it's, it's usually someone pacific yeah like I've always, yeah, I've always thought that, but just like man, like we had someone on the the pod who talked about him being, like learning life lessons through stories, like if he'd done something wrong, hmm. and I thought, man, that's an awesome way of explaining it. And then, and then the lesson was taught to him, and sort of like a reflection. He looked over what he'd done wrong, and the mum always used the Bible as a ref- reference sort of thing. Like hearing that, I was like, man, I could add that to my parenting, you know. My kids aren't gonna get stuff. Yeah, but I hope more, more, you know, Pacific Māori get involved in um, corporate leadership hmm. more of because we have a lot more to offer. Um, Are you seeing any out there? Th- there, are, there are heaps that I seen. They just haven't had the the tools and experience to to actually execute what they do. I mean, I've only yeah. I've only you know executed because I had good leadership. And that's what we need. So if I'm just saying if we had more of us or myself a bit more that were given that opportunity to, to help grow people a bit more into those in the corporate world, that kind of stuff. So people culture is, is one aspect, but you need to inspire people to want to do it mm. and that kind of stuff. So there, there's heaps of opportunities in there. We've got a lot of Polynesians that own their own businesses too. Yeah. Uh, more than, probably more than in the corporate world, eh? Do you think? There's, there's heaps of small businesses. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot of small businesses that um that are out there, especially for Pacific people. Um it's just the scale of it, you know, to to to, to actually scale it a lot more. Mm. And I think that seeing some of them there's a a certain point they go to, but they haven't had that that bigger version where they you know, to take it really big and that kind of stuff. So it's, that requires a bit more investment into into those people. Yeah. I was listening to this podcast last week. It was um it was Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. They're talking about their them because they're best mates. Huh? And they were talking about um 
working nine to five, like because right, right now they're in space. They're in a space where they want them. They've started their own movie company, and they all they want to do is make movies. But they want to spend more time at home. Yeah, have, have more free time now. And um, they're talking about how what people should do is work nine to five, but only to make money to do what you really want to do. And that yeah. should be it. Yeah. Like when you start off, like know what you want to do, go get a job, just make the money to do what, you, what the other thing. Yeah. And I thought, oh man, if every kid knew that or heard that, I think it would be, things would be in a better place. Because we were talking on this podcast about kids that not don't know what they want to do when they leave high school. And they get stuck in in the space where, yeah, they don't know what they want to be, and they just do all these courses. They don't end up finding out they don't want to do it, or they they're just lost, and yeah. they're at jobs and they hate it, and they haven't even discovered what they want to be. Yeah, because high school is, um, especially towards the end of high school, it's where am I going to go? Mm. You know, is you're not quite sure where where you want to, to go. There's so many different options and I think there's not enough of these skills in, at work, like work skills at, at high school. If we yeah. incorporate a bit more into high school rather than, you know, who actually t- takes algebra and, and all that kind of stuff to, to your job or the next job you're going to go to. And so if you were, if school, high schools were to say, hey, look, at your year six and seventh, there's going to be opportunities for you know, going into a, like a trade that you can get your certificate in rather than going into, you know, the, the work for, workforce first and you've got to go through loans and all that kind of stuff mm. is how do we incorporate a lot earlier? Mm. And um, rather than just, you know, it's just a subject, you know, how, do, how can we just then integrate it into, into work? Yeah. Yeah, I think schools like that. Yeah. And I think also they should actually find out what the kid actually loves Yeah, like early. Then you can know. It's almost like you need to treat every kid individually. Like you got to look at every kid and analyze them separately. Like yeah. in terms of like what they really love. Because yeah. when they grow up and they still love whatever they love, they can they can monetize it. They can turn it into yeah. a business or turn it into a career. Like this day and age of internet and social media, bloody, bloody gaming, like. Back, yeah. back 20 years ago when you thought that you could make money playing games yeah. <laughs> you know but you know this, this day and age it's more than just a lawyer doctor and accountant now yeah. like our parents used to want us to be when we were young oh there's, there's so much more you know? there's so much more to yeah. to, to make money yeah. or to earn a living um, you know people become influencers and they you know yeah, yeah. that's not a, a subject that you learn it's just something no. that they're just taking out of their free time to find oh there's other ways of making money mm. So yeah, I think we don't we don't gear enough people up for the workforce mm, that's yeah. out there. You know, at, at an early at, at an early stage, um, we just we just go through getting bursaries and or that was back then whatever get qualifications now at high school. Um, but how much is that utilised in in the workforce? Because what you will start to see, especially in the corporate, is people not also looking. They're not really looking at just your your um your qualifications sometimes they'll take you how you are at an interview mm. now and personality yeah, yeah. Mm. They, they'll think okay how am i going to work with this person mm. is this person going to be too analytical for a role that needs to deal with people 
you know, that kind of stuff. So that, that's another aspect of how we're going to start transitioning people mm. into the workforce. Because I'm sure majority of us that thought that we're going to do this after school have actually gone to a different direction. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of us have gone that, you know. Yeah. I've sat on a few of those panels there and I was telling, I was like, how when you sit on a panel three and you got the one guy, you know, you're interviewing him. I feel like, like my experience is like, you find that the one who gives the most like ridiculous answers like this guy's got a v-shirt eh? like yeah. straight up eh? or like it's got a yes 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 for everything yeah like the ones that are shy and don't know really how to answer like sometimes like the interview is not the place for it eh? it's like it's just put them straight onto the floor see if they they swim or sink you know and yeah. and that that would generally be like okay if they're standing around you know especially jobs when you need a degree to get in because you put your degree on the table automatically. They know you've done all the work. Yeah, you, they've you've done the long hours, so they already know that. You know, you've really done the five years or six years or whatever, three years or whatever it takes to get the degree. So all that's just out the window. They just want to know what kind of person you are. Yeah, mm. oh, and that's that's, that's, that's what, what matters. Yeah. yeah, and look, I've I've interviewed heaps of people, and the, there's other departments where they've asked me, "Oh, can you come and do the interview?" Even though I'm not even the area, but they mm. they just want me to be the, you know, do the 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 people aspect of. You know, ask the question, and most of the times I make up the questions. You know, and it's and the questions will come based on what the team is is like, and how they're gonna fit into that thing, because people would would um, line themselves up in an interview based on what their job criteria is. Yeah. But people will meet those criteria because that's why we pick them, mm. right? But it's the, it's getting to know whether they're gonna actually fit in, how they're gonna talk, yeah. you know, to us and stuff yeah. like that. And like some of them, I would you know like talk to them real and you know like almost like let's cut the bullshit aside <laughs> like straight up I don't know, and I would do that on purpose so mm. that the manager that's going to hire this person also knows what they're going to be like yeah. because we will go in an interview and say all the nice stuff mm. you know and then when we hire them they're the opposite and um I've been I've been in a few interviews where I would have selected someone else. Oh yeah, that's me too. Like you know, how you say where's the black card, you know, which is the ace. And you do that <laughs> shuffle, and then everyone goes, oh, that one, that one, they both wrong, yeah. and it's the one that you pick. Like he told you, man. Yeah. And he, the worst part is when they land a job somewhere else or for the competition, and they, and then like people go, fuck that guy's the man. Yeah, it's the worstest one. So the questions you ask are they based on trying to get their pers- real personality yeah. out? Yeah, and what, what, so what kind of questions would those be? So depending on <clears throat> on the the diversity of the team that they, they're going to come into say for for say there's a team in particular <laughs> um that was driven on real strict timing and that kind of stuff because someone if you say to me if you say in an interview your punctuality is always on time but you can tell these young people are not always on time yeah. you know i would ask some christians like how would you feel if you were to work different type of hours, even though this is a nine thirty to four job, but you were you were requested to work say from from ten to maybe five, and they're like, that works for them, oh. but for the manager it doesn't. Right. And then I said, well, how 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 does that work for you? And the 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 responses they would get was like, if I have enough rest time. Oh, yeah. I'm able. I'm able to be a bit more productive, and, and, that kind and of that's stuff. the trap because that's something you don't want to hear. Yeah, and so, <laughs> and 
but those are the questions I think it's also good to discuss with the manager later on. Mm. I said, if this person is, is has the capability of doing that, but if they're like, oh no, I do everything within their time, anything extra, you know, it would, be, I, you know, I just take on board and mm. that kind of stuff. And most of the questions that these guys have got, they're all written down from from Google or from HR and that oh, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, so they, they <clears> stick to that and then sometimes I just wait till it's really silent. Mm. Yeah, and I was like, oh, wait for an awkward moment. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll just talk about a few things, you know. This is what the, you know, I'll make up stuff like this, this is how crazy this team is. They... They argue amongst themselves, um, and some of them actually go on stress leave, and you know it's it's crazy. They've got this one lady that's in there; she doesn't she's she's like a dragon, and then you know it just throws them off, you know. Mm. But if they can respond in a way like how they would approach the situation, yeah. that's the approach that we'll take. I say, okay, this person will take this approach. Right. This will work for right. them. And that kind of stuff. So it's important that we do that kind of stuff because you, we shouldn't create questions based on a general. It should mm. be based on what's going to work with the manager and that team. Specific. Uh, yeah. Like if a team's full of unders, you say, hey, have you seen Sean is winning? <laughs> they say no, then not going for the job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's one question I remember from an interview and, and I worked under this manager. She was really good at eh? And the question was like almost like a follow-up question, but it just cracked me up the way it came out because eh? it was the awkward silence, and like I thought we were done. And then it was like just before we wrap up, it's like, what's one? Can you just name one thing that you've experienced that would really like pissed you off? Like, can you just name one thing if you feel like you would experience here? If you if if you experienced it here, and in my mind I was thinking, what kind of fucking question is that? Okay, oh, to put it simply, yeah, if fucking people aren't pulling their weight, man, she stood up, shook my hand. I see you on Monday. <laughs> I was just cracking up. It was like, oh, okay, cool. But the interview was shitty. I just thought, what kind of bloody shit interview is this? But I mean, that was my the kickstart into the career that uh, the life that I work now, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know. My last interview was a job I've got now. And that was back in two thousand one, and I remember I walked in with. Four people on the panel. It was the three, uh, no, there were three people, two of the three um, directors and one manager. And I went, f- I had to show all my stuff and all that kind of stuff and just talk about, I forgot what we talked about. But then at the end of it, everyone walked out except for one, one, one of the guys because he talked to me because he asked me if I knew so and so because he went to school with the guy with my last name many years ago. I didn't know who it was, but and apparently I got the job because of that. Oh yeah, just because of that. So it was yeah. like, yeah, it wasn't like I think it was just a standard thing what I was showing. Like, yeah, I think they saw a lot of guys with the same stuff. But it was just yeah. that that the fact that he knew someone with my last name at his school when you went to school at St. Paul's. Nice. He went to St. Paul's in the fifties, I think. Yeah. So I had one of these these managers who said, um, um, I've got to interview some people. And I said, oh, yeah, cool. She goes, I'm just going to put some uh, interview questions together. and then, But she said, can she practice on me? Yeah. <laughs> and I was saying, oh, yeah, okay. And I said, how many, how many questions do you have? And she goes, oh, the encounter was like 32. And I was like, oh, man, that's going to be the most boring interview ever because you're going to try and get everything and then you got to try and move to the next one. And then you got to try and read the questions, which is quite awkward, mm. rather than creating a flow. 
And then, and then she goes, oh, she's like, one of the questions she asked me, and she goes, oh, what would you do if you were to apply for this role or you wanted the, you know, her role? I said, first of all, I'll get rid of your interview questions and ask better ones. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, what? I said, no, I'm being serious. I said, that, that'll be the first thing. And then I said, sec- I said secondly, um, I, would, I wouldn't have you as a manager at all. And she was like, no, nah, I need you to be serious about it. And I said, no, no, I'm being, I'm, being, I'm being serious about certain things. You want me to be straight up? That's, that's some of the things that I would say to you. And so we, we went through her, her 32 questions and we just 32. cut it down. Yeah, 32. And I said, let's cut it down to like, let's cut it down to eight. She goes, <laughs> oh, you can't do that. I said, well, who's going to know? Because yeah. you're you're the hiring manager. You're just going to tell HR who you've hired or who you've, mm. yeah. So people are still locked into how how you should ask questions or what questions you. Mm. I said, mm. man, you guys should be creating um, an interview based on what you need. Yeah, yeah, out of people rather than a general a for the whole, yeah. yeah just mm. it's like man now i wish people would interview me because i just you know be straight up about that kind of stuff i tend to like the last interview i did i tend to only because i know a lot of the questions that are that may have that i tend to talk like i'm going through the questions myself and i wait for an opportunity for them to like look down and i say is there any other questions that you want to ask me before you look down here and then like Catch them off guard. Yeah. And it's because I wanted to create a, a flowing conversation rather than, okay, what's the next one? That kind of stuff. So I created now an interview where um, if I was to be invited to help with an interview, one would ask the question and the other one will write down the questions. And so that you don't have to look down and all that kind of stuff. Otherwise, you won't fully engage with that person at all, that kind of stuff. So. We actually tested it with um with our customers as well, which was pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, it has to be a flowing conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Have you have, in your experience, have you ever met managers that have been school teachers previous? No. The reason why I ask because I reckon school teachers will make the best managers, eh? I mean What what type of school teachers? Like um primary school teachers or any school teacher, like because they they already got the management stuff locked down with the managing the kids and the you know the they got the empathy I, I guess already. I, I don't want to talk on behalf of teachers, only because I'm married to one. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and she's a she's a primary school teacher. Yeah. Um, but do you reckon? Do you reckon? Because because you know all the planning they have to do and all that kind of stuff and working long hours and I, and with I, the kids and. I, as as a as profession, like I'm not I'm not skilled in that area for for children. Man, I think they've got one of the toughest jobs in, in this country, uh, primary school teachers. Only because of what I've experienced, like with with my wife, she's um, she loves children. She's got a lot of lot of time for children, um, but there's a lot of paperwork. And I said to her, man, I'm sure when you went to get your teacher's degree all this other stuff that's getting passed on to you every year wasn't part of your your education or what you're you know wanted to do as your profession but that's what they've always been striking for oh, they did the strike recently yeah like last week i think yeah i think it's, uh, there's got to be a lot of support <clears throat> there's a lot of paperwork they do and you know we sort of put this all together like we put we round everything up and said man i, I if you have a bad experience and how you teach because there's paperwork and all that kind of stuff, then it has to come down to leadership, which is your principal. 
Right. So your principal will will either dictate as to how you run your school, how you support your staff and and and, and your kids. I'm part of the board of one school, and um, I I thought, you know, kids have enough support, but there's a lot more support that they need, and teachers need to be supported a lot more in terms of well-being, because their well-being is is out the door. I thought they do, you know, nine to three is, mm. is their job, but they go home and take their jobs. Um, there's personal stuff that they have to deal with. There are parental stuff that they have to deal with. Um, and there's a, you know, there's a an emotional stuff that, that also goes along with those with those children as well. Mm. Um, and then you you dealt with staff and principals and how things are run. So I think it's the, probably... I wouldn't. I wouldn't encourage my daughter to become a teacher if it, if it continues to be like that. Although our our kids need need teachers for their education, um, seeing what my wife goes through, I wouldn't want her to go through that again. I said to her, "What what keeps you going?" And she said, "It's the children. Mm. The children need need caring, you know, and that kind of stuff." And that's what she continues to do. And that's what you do just by continuing to go back to work is because you're there for the people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So in terms of management, the way they management, um, like I, I have a staff of, of 13. And I thought, oh, man, that's tough. My wife deals with like, what, 32 kids and that kind of stuff. And all different, you know, you know, one, you, you don't know what they're going through, these kids and stuff like that. So they have to deal with all that. And that's through those whole hours of, you know, mm. and. Because the parents just, there as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I think, I, think, I think some parents ex- have an expectation of what, what teachers should be doing and that kind of stuff, and um, as a as a parent at board member and as as a as a husband, I was thinking, man, now I I don't I don't think the same way. I think I just need to support her a lot more when it comes to mm. her her job. You know, one of my kids came home and she had something that the teacher got the whole class to do, and when she explained it, it was like, man, it was it was. It was moving to me because the the request was to get the class to sit in a circle and was to, to share one thing that they've struggled with. And then my kid came home and told me, man, there was a lot of emotion, you know. A lot of kids had talked about family members who had passed away, siblings who had passed away. But just when I thought about, man, if you can like empower your team and to be supportive, like in any like in a team environment. Like for example, a class. That's how. That's almost like the buy-in, like a circle. Like I spoke about, like when I was at school, like you know, um, on the podcast yesterday. You know, when you talk about the issues that happens in schools, it's not so much the school itself. Sometimes it's just like entities in the school, like little groups. But like I thought, man, if there was one cool way to buy-in into and like being supported by everyone, is to tell them something that you struggled with, and then that off the bat is like a good thing, right? Because when I found like I was going through my mental my mental health shit, I had to tell my my two staff members that I work and see every day. Like man, if I'm in my bad headspace, man, if I'm not talking to you, I'm more, I'm more good. If I'm just processing shit in my head, so I don't even feel like oh fuck this guy, what's up with this guy today? But I felt like when I got that off my chest, I was like, pray, work's been good, you know. But just to hear that in a classroom, which is a school, it's like fuck, that's powerful, man. And I think, like, man, we can be more open and optimistic to stuff like that. 
man, that next generation won't have less worries. Yeah, you know, they they they'll understand that, or others will understand that there's similar. Yeah, 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 you know, to to what they're going through, and then maybe they can reach out to to those, you yeah. know, and then it starts growing. Yeah, that um, okay, there's actually more people out there that are struggling. It's a creating that understanding, and also just to help your peers and to mm. a point like, man, if they're not well. Yep. Check in on them and it acts, you know, but just that one exercise, man, I thought, and it was never supposed to leave the circle. Yeah. But, you know, when you got a kid, he's like, obviously emotionally upset and said, like, man, you know, now I understand. Like, you know, they get it, you know. They're not going to go bloody sit in class and mock someone about having, you know, having no lunch or like having funny shoes and shit like that. Like, yeah. you know, because you think about all the stuff you go through when you're at school. It's like, man, a lot of it's like, fuck, man, we banter, but then someone had banter's hate, undercover hate, you know. Yeah. But I just thought, man, that's one. One powerful tool that if you were to take into the workplace, fuck, that would be one of the main one exercise you could do. Because yeah. then it, re- it removes the ego, it removes all the bullshit, and it's just like there's a person in front of you, there's a person to you left to, you know, and there's none of that sort of like you know filter that Zane talked about on his part, you know, yeah. removing the filter. But I think yeah, that that was cool, man. When I heard it, maybe that's something that most workplaces should implement as of next week. <laughs> <laughs> But I think if you start within, yeah. if you're willing to to share that, mm. I think that that's the that's the biggest step. Mm. You know, if you're willing to share that with people, then potentially someone else will may open up, or they may share that someone else has also share that. Then maybe you can talk to them about that kind of stuff. So if you if you can do that, then you know that's a big step. Mm. And and for kids to well, even the school to allow that to happen. And then kids to even at that age, that age to actually share a bit of struggle, uh, that's a that's massive. Yeah, you know, and that's goes to show us that what are our kids going through that we think is okay, uh, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's something that we're doing or showing um, around in our communities and our, our homes and that kind of stuff that are having a, a flow on effect to what we do with our children and stuff like that. But yeah. <clears throat> I like what you said earlier on, on this podcast when you talked about how um, culture bring like you talked about c- culture in the workforce you don't really do it but then with the diversity stuff and it does change the the culture and the identity of the workforce of the yep. work workplace huh? yeah and you know you know being being us you know we know what that brings when you bring to the that world Yep. It's like family orientated thing. It's the banter that change that will change. That's a big, massive change to would be to any sort of westernized sort of environment. Eh? Yeah, when we bring our sort of flavor into it. Yeah, you know? because I, I, there's a there's a few people who are actually Maori but don't act Maori. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and um, and but but I know that they're Maori because I'll talk to them about it, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then in, in an open environment, there'll be stuff like um, someone will say to me, "Oh, you can't do this," and that kind of say, "I can do whatever." Like this is my land, yeah. you know. This is my <clears throat> country, you know. I'll just things like that. Yeah. And then um, but sometimes I'll say it around them, like if I argue about something, and then one of them will say, "Oh, watch this. He's gonna he's gonna play that card." <laughs> and I said, "Now that you said that, and in front mm. of everybody, you and I deserve." <laughs> you and I deserve, you know, a bit more in this country. And then I was like, oh, you got to play that card. And I said, what, are you embarrassed that you told me that you're Māori, mm. even though I know where you're from? And then I was like, no, no. I said, yeah, you go around and show that you're, you, 
you do motocross and all that kind of stuff where Māori and Pacific don't do motocross, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. And, he, you know, he just said to me, and he only tells me when he's, when he's been drinking. <laughs> and he goes, man, the way you just say things is like, <laughs> I said, I know that you're, you don't want to show people that, that side of stuff. I said, I used to be one of them. Mm. And then he goes, really? The way you talk, it's like as if, you know, <laughs> you do this all the time. I said, no, it, t- it took me a while. And I said, um, the one of the guys that he used to be really close with, and I said to him, look, I, I'm going to share this with you. Um, I don't share with a lot of people, but I went to a corporate event. So we had a corporate box. And um, one of the one of the parking fellows next day uh, was speaking to someone else and said to him, and I was standing behind him while we were in the cafeteria, and he said to this guy, he goes, oh, oh how was the box game? And he goes, oh, no, it's good, but no, it's good. We had this fucking Māori family. Uh, that, not me, like another, yeah, bought us kid and they were just sitting there like cheering and all that kind of stuff. And while well, we had customers in there. And then I, and then I was thinking, am I going to say something? Because I'm, I'm offended now. Mm. But I put my guard on like, no, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want him to think that, one, I'm a Māori. Or two, that, that he's never going to speak to me or he'll never treat me the same. And then, um, yeah, so I left it. I left it for about a couple of years. I wouldn't, wouldn't acknowledge him or anything like that until we had to work really close together. And I was thinking, man, I can't stand this guy. You know, the way he talked about it, I'll never, ever forget what he said. Mm. But I ended up, you know, working amicably with him, you know, and I just did the job. I executed the job. Purely because I'm good at my job, so he will see that as a Māori person that, you know, we're not all what he thinks he, we are. Mm. And so that's what I did. And then on the very last day that he had, he got made redundant, mm. he just says, man, I really enjoyed working with you. One of my best experiences is doing that kind of stuff. And that's what I took away. I can acknowledge that, you know, this is what he said, even though I don't accept it, but I don't know how to approach him about it. Mm. That would have been the first time. It would have been the best the time to, to do it, but I I thought, nah, we're going to end it off like this. Because yeah. all I'm going to think is that I'd done what I needed to do, and if he if he ever had an, his experience with other people, mm. that he could say, look, I worked with another Māori fella that was really good at what he did. Right. You know? And that's what I wanted to leave, rather than, say, leaving a bad taste, like, mm. or if making him feel ashamed of what he said. Because mm. that's on him, it's not on me. That's right. And I think him just acknowledging that, would be enough to make you think, okay, at least he acknowledged that. Yeah. You know, at least there's something the opposite of what he thought back then. Yeah. Two years ago at that box. Yeah. You know? And man, that's an awesome way of dealing with people like that. Yeah. You know? Like, you know, some when people be when when people are quiet, people are like, Man, you should have said something, man. Fuck, yeah. Let that slide. Like I mean, I share that with, with people and they say, Man, you should have you should have yeah. done that. But then I said, look, this was my approach to mm. you know, working with them at, at a at a later stage. I said it, yeah, it got me down. It just put me back in that spot where I don't think I'm so good enough, even though I'm I'm doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah, that still weighed heavily for quite some time. That's what, what do you call that? We call that like a passive uh, <laughs> protest or, or uh, Something uh, Mahatma Gandhi wanted done, <laughs> man. But just, but just hearing you talk about that, like not 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 sort of like portraying like oh yeah, or letting people know that you're Maori sort of thing. But I, I do that at work too, man. Like when I see guys come to the space, and like they they show up every day sort of thing, then they might have a gap day, then they show up every day. 
But like, you know, when you see potential and you want to <coughs> sort of keep it, maintain it, and like try and encourage them to keep coming into work so they can get, you know, full time. But it's not until you actually, you know, it's like, I don't know if it's my time when people are, I think it's not going to be there for more than six months. But then when you start, you know, talking to people and you're like, oh man, you know, the jobs, if you can do the hours, man, you know, it, it will help you, man. It will get you moving places to where you want to be, you know, if, if, if you just commit to the hours. Yeah. It's just funny that yeah, I didn't tell people I'm someone until later, later. Yeah. And then they go, oh, it's only someone. I was like, mate, <laughs> the fingers of our cultures, mate, was like, we have the highest turnover of our <laughs> our people coming through here. Yeah. So it's like, mate, am I going to waste my time investing in it? But I mean, as a person, you you want to sort of, you know, yeah. be polite and caring. But Those Maori guys, they didn't act like it. Like, that, does that sort of thing come from back in the days when we were trying to fit in? You know, when we were... Like, you know, when you're you're in a space where there's there's no brown people at all, and it's just you, you're just trying to fit in. So you, we try and adopt their way of their ways. My experience with with Maori people who are comfortable with being Maori, um, I've never had to like worry about that kind of stuff. The people that 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 are Maori or, or they seclude themselves as you know I'm, I'm something else like i was explaining earlier we can see that and but um but, you know i'll be confronted by people that like that are, are maori that'll say like man you're a plastic maori yeah and that yeah. kind of stuff you know and that's sort of like yeah i am you know mm. i won't say it but yeah i am mm. it's only because i'm trying to prove myself somewhere so that i could be accepted is that what these guys were doing do they think the, these ones that were yeah mm. that I that I put myself in that category with these people yeah. yes mm. yeah because I would only know that if I talked to them about it right and shared my experience of uh, you know and that kind of stuff and that's the only time we'll we'll we'll, we'll find out mm. otherwise it'll be those that are really strong and 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 believing that they're Maori then they're the ones that have no problem at all that mm. kind of stuff it's just individuals that choose to try and fit in. Because the incentive for diversity is another way of trying to get over that as well, eh? Yeah. Like any workspace, any work environment, in yep. any industry. Yeah. Like especially in the corporate world because there's hardly any brown faces there. Especially in our job, there's yeah. hardly hardly any of us. Yeah. And there's, I think... There's all 10 of you. There's about 10 of us, yeah. I think there's really about 10 of us. And someone said to me, oh, this person's Maori? And I was like, but he looked white on us. Yeah. Like real real white. And I was like, oh, man. Is that like on the screen things, like when you get emails and sort of the little pictures? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Or they're, they're on the internet. They were showing was like, man. But it's not until I questioned, because some of them were like, oh, hey, bro. And that kind of stuff. I was like, mm, I get are it they Maori? Because my, my email doesn't have a photo. Yeah. But when people come into the work and they get, oh, yeah, Lizzie. <laughs> I was like, what did you see, Smith? Or did you see, Mossy? Yeah. Oh, fuck off for you, the Filipino guy or something, you know? Yeah. It's like, fuck off. Nah, man. Even the attire. Because I know in my work, I remember when I first started working, man, it was sh- shirt. Collar shirt. It was a uh, collar shirt, leather shoes, pants, you know. Just, and then changed. Somehow it changed. Because our work is just casual. Yeah. It's casual wear. We've gone to casual as well. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think I it happened remember. during COVID. Oh, no, that was what happened earlier than that. Oh, at the no. same time, the nightclub's been casual. Yeah. <laughs> I think because our Mufti days was like every Friday. Oh, oh yeah, casual yeah. Friday. Other than it had to be, you know, donation or something like that. Yeah. It had to be like a Mufti day and that kind of stuff. And then, uh, yeah, our previous general manager, uh, sorry, 
uh, empty said um let's make friday a ca- casual all oh, right but it's like um dress casual you know mm. and i think mm, us brownies dress casual is not the same as <laughs> these people who go to the race course yeah. you know that's different <clears throat> you know that's how that's how i <laughs> pictured it. i was like race course you know type casual you know they have their, this is smart their, flash, their flash jeans, you know, because mm. they say it's no ripped, um, no jandals, no open toe and all that kind of stuff, you know, and if you, uh, no shorts too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we wear shorts during summertime. Yeah. Work. yeah. But, um, yeah That'd no, be I a think, luxury. I think you're right, man. It's during when the nightclubs changed the yeah. time we changed. <laughs> but you know what's funny though? Like, you know, like that washed look on clothing, like the, it was a vintage, that vintage look is coming back. The cargo shorts and cargo pants is coming back. Mm. Like I'm like looking at like my girl when she puts some uh, work pants on my son and my mind is like, uh, is he going to work? That's oh. the look now. I'm like, oh lord. <laughs> oh, <gee. laughs> but it feels so much comfortable though. Mm. You just see how relaxed we are when we do our jobs, especially if not meeting customers. Yeah, but I yeah. even see now we can we can meet our customers with with no ties. So that sort of came in. Mm. Our um, managing director, the third one back, that was part of the scandal. He was not strict on ties. You're always presentable at work and all that kind of stuff. And you had to have it like real tight, oh. <laughs> that kind of stuff. But we're not all like parquet people where we have a smaller neck. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Because, you know, in order to button the last one up, you had to get real baggy, yeah, <laughs> that kind yeah. of stuff. So that was tough. But yeah, and it's just started change. It was part of change, you know. Mm. So it was so much better when we were like casual. Some of them took it a bit too far and started wearing the old um, sketches type jandals and like they think they got little diamond looking things on their thing. It's just, you know, it's like, <laughs> no, I love wearing a uniform, man. It's easy. It's like as long as I got a shirt and a wash, my trousers plus my pockets. I couldn't imagine trying to buy jeans with cargo pockets. Like, <laughs> like the reason why they cargo pockets because you need a pocket for every, you know. But the tools, like the tools, your pens, manga pens, and stuff like that. But nah, yeah, I would like a like a more comfortable uniform now because we're going to dry fits. But nah, I want to get back to a polo shit. <laughs> yeah. Our business has has um adopted to wearing polo shirts from work. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we fought for it though we, yeah. There used to be surveys And I used to say Wouldn't it be free advertising You know We'd be out in, in public With free You know With our logos Logos on Yeah Next minute you go, Are you an engineer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man the amount, of, the amount of questions I get every time I walk into a dairy eh? <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, oh When's your next order coming? Like, are you dropping off some cook? Yeah, are you dropping some? <laughs> <laughs> okay, why you, why have you got those bottles in our fridges? Sweet oops, man. Man. How long did that? Man, that was that was, that was a bit of a I thought it was gonna be like ten minutes and got nothing to like, like, talk about. Even when they come on and say, <laughs> Oh no, well you can probably speak for an hour now, Andre. It's like, it's like a rookie. Once you jump on, you can't get off. Can't I don't get do off. it. That's Larry's that's that's area. That's Larry's area. I mean, Larry's area. Sharks, man. So, what's happening with you next few months? Work and... It'll be, yeah, no, no full-on work. Um, yeah. Um, I'm still trying to line up a few people at work to, to eventually take over. That kind of stuff. So, mm. I want to do some other stuff that outside of work. 
Same um, same field, uh, managing or different. I'd like to continue, but not as not looking after man thirteen. It all right. depends what what what's required because a lot of it requires like a work the the KPIs. It's just it's just you spend like weeks and weeks on you know that kind of stuff, and I think it's not it's it's not an area that um, people have time for mm. because if it's like a, a six months or 12 months you're supposed to measure them from the from the start to finish but you don't measure them until oh it's finished now so i've got to now remember everything and that kind of stuff so that that's me for the next week or so is trying to work on um people that deserve to to go up to the next step mm. yeah and um yeah and showcase some of the the skills that these people have to even hire hire people that are in the job because because it's starting to really show that that other people that are in my team are go-to people i even encourage like people to say make a decision for me if someone asks a question just have a go i'll back you 100 percent. even though i know it's 100 percent wrong i'd rather you have a go i back you up on it and just explain how we've got to work through it and that kind of stuff so yeah it's important that we you know, we empower people to to do what we can. Because that idea of trying to f- bring in new ideas, how do we harness that? Because eh? that's exactly what yep. you're trying to do. Well, that's what I that's what I did mm. with the, with the younger generation, and we yeah, worked especially on them. yeah. We brought in um, a lot of like f- tools that they had studied for that we were doing that took us like hours to do. And they, what we we allowed them to do it in the background, and then soon as they showed us how they executed what they were doing, so we made sure that the managers that didn't have control over their improvements, and then we just enhanced their their improvements with the team, mm. and it had to come. The experienced people had to accept either accept what was being done. That's the hardest part. That was the hard. That's yeah. the biggest part because they said, "What about that? What about that?" They didn't see how the outcome was. The outcome was the same as how what they did, mm. but they were too scared that they've missed a step. But they didn't see how well we ended up in the same same results as you did. Mm. But they always thought, no, there's something you're missing. Yeah, and it's just how do we get these people to to accept it? They ended up resigning, all four of them. Right, Fair. they all resigned because <clears throat> they just saw too much changes happening. Um, they said it's not possible for you to do it this way. Um, at the end of every month, they would work till late hours. Um, and these guys would just sit there um, f- until the manager's finished. See, that's a downfall of not evolving, eh? Yeah. Of the times. Yeah. Because I find with me, I'm in that. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of them now. Because I remember when I first started work, man, what? I was the hot shot. Yeah, you're talking guy. about you're now the experience where we're like, yeah, yeah. maybe. No, no, because I remember when I started work, I was hot shot out of uni. Yeah. I was a whiz on the computer, you know, doing yeah. all the computer stuff, all the old people stood doing, yeah. doing manual stuff. Now it's like reverse now. Now I'm doing the old school stuff on the computer. Yeah. And the new guys coming out of uni, they're like doing the new, Yeah. they got the new technology. Yeah. They might not have the experience to do it, but they know how to work it. And just like you said, like our industry has evolved a lot since I started. I mean, a lot. Now we're dealing with 3D. Yeah, we're not dealing with paper anymore. It's all in computers. Like, you know, it's it's fucking 3D now. You know, it's yeah. like space stuff. 
yeah. it's like damn like I'm still doing the I'm still I'm using it but I'm using it the old school way yeah and these new guys coming in they're, they're like the wizards eh yeah and every single program on their screen and doing it faster yeah. but not knowing how to do it but you know yeah didn't need the experience but now it's at the point where I need to upskill yeah you know I need to but it's hard for me because I'm like nah the old way's better yeah, I don't want to waste my time because we're so used to, mm. used to it. we know that it's yeah. gonna work that way. Yeah, exactly. And so what I, I, cause I was, I, I was hoping that I wouldn't end up like that, and so <laughs> I would, I would not pretend, but I'd show that I'm inspired by what these guys yeah, are doing. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and I'll just like, you know, that's amazing, and they'll just show me how to do it and that kind of stuff, and then I'll be like, yeah, you keep doing it, you know, and it's just like okay, mm. and then you know, young people that are like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do it. It's only because I just said, man, you're amazing. You could do this. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to make sure we show the other people that kind of stuff. And that's that'll keep them driving towards, you know, what you need to do and that mm. kind of stuff. Because sometimes it's, do we have the time or are we going to accept to learn all that kind of stuff? Because it's quite quite technical. It's a yeah. lot, lot more to yeah. And is our brain ready to continue with that? Mm. Or... Do we need to say like uh, how can we adopt some of that into what we're doing, and um, you know making sure they're part of what we do to help us grow and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so with the, that's what I do with experience. It's like accept what they've what they brought to to the table what we have, um, but how do we incorporate it into us? Mm. Like what can I take from that, but not use them? It's like okay, I'm gonna you do it up to this point. And then from this point, I will I will assist from there, but keep acknowledging what they've done. Mm. And if you keep doing that, you'll continue to move forward as, as a group, rather than oh they're gonna take over, because eventually they will. And us as as leaders, we should be doing that. It's like making sure we're helping our people grow to the next step, so that we can move to the next one, mm. to hopefully not retire too early. <laughs> but you know that that's that's what I'd like to. Because technology is changing faster than we can, yeah, you know. So we always need to upskill. Yeah, I read this book about um about the future, and with technology, with new medical technology, like if you look over the years, this book says, like if you look over the years, humans have been growing older and older and older. Yeah, and with the new technologies of with and medical, we're getting older again. And this book sort of estimates in a hundred years time, maybe if humans are still around, we can live to one fifty. 150 with um you know mechanical hats stuff artificial like that. artificial stuff yeah but then the consequence of that is do you really want to live to 150 do you really want to work with the same yeah. job for like 100 years yeah <laughs> and then if you think about the upskilling that's involved if you live 150 years i mean how much upskilling do you need how many universities do you need to go to if you're living that long yeah because our purpose will change exactly our purpose yeah. will change because we have a I think now we just like, oh, we're looking forward to retirement. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. So we know that 65 is going to, we're going to get the pension and that kind of stuff. But if you start saying, you know, retirement's going to change now because we can now put artificial stuff into it. So what is our purpose? Do we want to continue to be mm. in this world the way it, it is? Or is our purpose just now we've had enough of that kind of stuff? Mm. So again, I, I, I just put it down to acceptance of what we want to, <laughs> what we want to be part of. You know, some people want to want to live forever. But you know, yeah, but there's consequences. To there's consequences. There's You're going to lose people. You know, yeah. that's another one. The emotional stuff. Yeah. Where you could potentially lose someone who you really love. That's going to die naturally, and so you have to take on that. Well, there's another thing. Like, how many marriages are you going to have? Hundred fifty. <laughs> 
<laughs> you get married at no, 20 years old? Not just marriage. Knowing... Uh, not just marriage, just what else? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I said? I've been saying this for, for a while now. If they make a movie about it, it's officially going to happen. There'll be no more blue like the 90 mile. Just like the 90 miles. The green mile, the green mile. Every, everybody wants to live forever, but man, do you really want to live? Do you know what that means? Depends what comes with it, hey. <laughs> what do we continue to have that we still want, you know? What if, I, what if it meant like you got to 80 and then you got to choose another soul to live in? <laughs> yes, please. Uh, yeah, Elliot, bro, man, thanks for coming in. Eh? Ah, thanks, thanks for the invite. Been awesome man. having a chat to you, man. Looking, yeah. uh, looking to uh, what you do for work, and yeah. man, your story about the um, going down South South Island. Yeah, I was thinking, man, that should be a movie. Like, it should be a comedy. <laughs> like, someone should listen to this. Surely, if you're listening, who's you know, tune in, so, yeah, true. Check some funny this way, man. Like, you know, try and get something. I reckon we should, give, we should tell Sully to listen to this episode, yeah. listen to your story and uh, South South Island story. Man, I will watch that. Make a comedy, but I want to make it really clear. <laughs> I have nothing against South Island no, or Parker people. You just say I it's based, <laughs> based on a true story. Based on true based, story. Based on experience. Yeah. Or make it a comedy. It'll be so funny, man. Yeah, I saw one guy walking with big luggage. I see the little <laughs> balling of the suit in the car. Okay, hey, man, what are you doing? Man, this is what I need, man. But this, will, we're going down South Island, man. I need all my shit, man. Jump in. Chili burn. And then, and then you're driving, <laughs> and then you're driving, <laughs> then you're driving, and then you fall asleep, and then driving, and then the balling goes, "Hey, wake up, wake up! You can't go see." Nigga, man, I'm trying to get my rest, man. I was, uh, we got a four-hour drive, man. I need my rest. That no, you're staying here, but no, no, I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh hell no I'm not staying in this shit I'm going to the heritage you know, This paper It says on the paper yeah. <laughs> nah, it's good. Nah, Thanks for having me on Sure yeah. pray Sure man Liddy's been trying to ask uh, For how long Yeah but I was just trying to find Some encouragement I just wish that everyone Can listen to the snippet Of Bila saying If Liddy asks And he knows my heart It's a, for a good purpose if The purpose is, is real You know and I'm always going to give Cam's flowers, man, because like I always say, there's no one else out when we're talking projecting Pacifica view and Maori view from this side of the world. So, yeah, West Western world, man, that's what it is. Yeah. That was cool. Sure, yeah. Mm. Well, I hope, hopefully I can share something to some people, but, yeah, I think that's that's the key thing for me when Faleti said it'd be cool for you to, you know, to share a bit of that kind of stuff. If I talk about sharing experiences then and not wanting to be on here, then that goes against what I'm you know, saying. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it was just a nerve thing because I'm not used to that kind of stuff. But, yeah, now it's cool. I want to fight another topic now. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Can't wait for the movie, man. Yes. <laughs> Can't wait for the movie. You can play Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Elliot. Now it's cool. Thank you. Thank you.